And welcome back to the Exotic Pet Collective. My name is Richard, and we've got an exciting episode for you today. Uh, we've got the author, or I'm sorry, the photographer from the new book, Venomous Words. Uh, it's coming on. You probably know him from Instagram. He's, he's got a pretty big following over there, does some amazing macro photography. Uh, you probably know him there by Venom Macro. So please welcome to the show, Gordon Riley. I hit the wrong button again. <laughs> I'm not trying to say you're a joke. I wanted to give you an applause there. So thank you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, it's a little bit different. We are just recording this all audio. Uh, no video for this interview because you appreciate your anonymity. Yeah. 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 I usually uh, remain faceless. Um, it's just a uh, personal preference. Um, you know, it's all about the images for me. So I keep my face out of it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. So many people, I, I, and I include myself in this, I, I mean, I don't like really having my face on camera. I, I prefer to just film tarantulas, but doing YouTube, it seemed people, I don't know, they seem to get better views when they actually see a person. But with photography, that's yeah. a little different. I think that's kind of, it's kind of cool that you, uh, you're staying kind of, you know, behind the scenes, behind the camera, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, so, so how long have you been doing uh, macro photography? Uh, I started about three years ago. I uh, picked up my first camera and basically self-taught myself um, macro, if you will. Uh, I had a couple people uh, from the community initially guide me in the right direction with you know gear and certain aspects of uh, the photography and you know techniques. But uh, for the most part, I was uh, self-taught. Very cool. And uh, just because I know somebody's going to ask, what kind of camera gear do you use? Uh, I use Canon gear. Uh, I use an R5 uh, for the, the main portion of my photography. And I also have an EOS R um, that I, I like to put together for some of the 1, the 5X stuff. Uh, you know, if I go a little bit further into ma magnification. So yeah. I've got two camera setups at the ready. Because you never know. You never... <laughs> You never know when the images are going to present themselves. So changing lenses with uh, invertebrates kind of that, that can be detrimental to an image. So because, you know, once it's there, they might move a couple seconds later. So you got to be quick. Yeah, you do. I feel you there. And what kind of uh, macro lens do you use? Uh, I use, well, I use a Canon uh, 100 millimeter F 2.8 uh, L series. Um, it's, you know, got in lens stabilization, so it makes it a little bit easier to do handheld shots, handheld stacks, if you will. Um, yeah, I, I like their gear. It's a little bit heavier than some of the macro gear you might see from Olympus. Uh, but the Canon lenses and their glass is just amazing. Yeah. Um, I also use, I also use an MPE lens, uh, which is 65 millimeter. And that gives me the, you know, the one to five X magnification um it acts essentially like a, a microscope lens if you will very cool now did you start keeping invertebrates and then get into macro photography or did you get into macro photography and then start keeping inverts uh it started with keeping scorpions um i was keeping scorpions back in like 2000 2002 and you know I, so i've kept for quite a long time and while i was keeping i just there were certain aspects that I just wanted to, you know, see a little bit more clear and, you know, see some clarity with it and certain things that I was seeing that I, I wanted to show other people. So, um, you know, the photography aspect, uh, came into play and, and, 
I was able to show the world something different. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you there. And it, especially with scorpions, they sometimes can be so reclusive. It's nice to be able to take a photo of them and have it available anytime you want to see them and not have to like wait days or weeks for them to come back out of hiding. Yeah. And, and, and the funny thing is, is, you know, obviously I do a lot of breeding as well. And, um, you know, I, I do sell the, the babies on occasion when I do have like surplus, but I, you know, when I do do that, I, I usually give like three inch stickers of my macro photography just so people can use those on like the adult tanks. So in case the species was hiding, you, you could actually see what was in the tank, you know, on the, <laughs> on the image. Yeah, that's cool. So, Very cool. So um, what, what was your first scorpion? Uh, you know, I start with um, the... <laughs> The standard uh, Lyris conquistriatus, which is the uh, the uh, Deathstalker scorpion, I started with one of those and a, a couple uh, uh, Androctonus australis, which uh, you know those are the yellow fat tails mm-hmm. that are basically infamous. But uh, yeah, I started with some really really hot species because you know, obviously I was like most keepers getting in, I was pretty naive with what I was getting. Um, luckily for me, uh, as I as I started keeping, I was safe and I uh, didn't have any mishaps with them, but you know, it wasn't necessarily a good, uh, you know, two different good species to start with. Um, I should have started out with something a little bit less venomous, but um, yeah, I kind of jumped in with both feet. <laughs> yeah. It sounds that way. Um, so what would you say is your favorite scorpion to photograph? Oh, wow. Uh, there's so many, uh, you know, I, I really like the colors of, uh, uh, some of the Europlectes, um, like the Europlectes, uh, Oliviasis is, uh, on the cover of the book. Um, just love the colors on them. I, you know, the only complaint I have with that species is I wish they were a little bit bigger Yeah, because uh, they're, you know, relatively a very, very small species. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, uh, ever kept that species, but I don't have a whole yeah. lot of scorpions. Um, I mean, just yeah, kind of rough estimate. How many scorpions do you think that you keep? Uh, right now, I think I'm holding about four or five hundred. I think. Oh wow! Uh, if if you count everything, because well, I, I just have multiple broods, uh, so right. you know, multiple clutches. So you know, and every time something like that happens, your you know your inventory is going to jump up like say thirty, sixty. So, um, so you know, the babies do account for a lot of it. Yeah. Um, well, about but how many I species, do, I guess, would probably be a better way to ask that question. Uh, over 40. Yeah. You know, last I counted, I, I think uh, last I counted, it was over 40 different species. Uh, I think it was 43, to be honest. Yeah. So, so when you're uh, photographing scorpions, um, and we'll get we'll talk about the book here in a second, because uh, I'm really excited to talk about that. I just wanted to get a little background information so people, sure. you know, kind of know exactly what they're getting into when they start checking this book out. Um when you're photographing scorpions, what are some of the challenges that, you know, you seem that are like the hardest to overcome? Well, you know, it's, it's like anything, and I'm sure you see it with the, you know, the teas, the tarantulas, um, you know, a lot of it is knowing the behaviors, uh, you know, obviously you can't really predict where they're going to be and when they're going to be because they kind of, it's <laughs> more or less erratic, but you know, after working with something for a while, you kind of get a tendency of what, what ticks them off and what doesn't, you know, each species has their own little thing, you know, whether they're going to bolt fast or whether they're not. And, you know, I just try to capitalize on that, on that as best I can. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I, I do spend a lot of time observing them and, uh, 
getting all the little behavioral, you know, idiosyncrasies, you know, getting those things down um, before I actually sit down in the photo shoot. Um, and that, that's basically how I do it. I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you know, I'm, you know, sometimes I walk in there and, and, uh, I've got some high hopes for a photograph and I walk out empty handed. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, uh, it's a look of a draw with, uh, you know, with live insects or live arachnids or whatever you might be photographing. Yeah. Live animals in general, I think. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I well, remember. you know, and, and that's, and that, and that's why I have two cameras set up at the ready with the fusers, everything, because, you know, those split seconds mean a lot. And if, if, if you've got a good setup and the animal's right where you want it to be, you don't have time to change lenses. You don't have time to put batteries in your gear. You know, you've got to be ready to get rock and roll when, when they give you the opportunity. That's very true. Yeah. I've, I've got a, uh, a Lumix G9 set up, uh, essentially just for photography, you have the diffuser on it, ready to go. Uh, if, if the opportunity ever presents itself, but it seems inevitably I'll be filming something and one, you know, a, th- a third camera in on it and I'll take that apart, turn it into a video camera. I mean, which mainly is just kind of switching it from photo <laughs> to video and changing the lens. And then I won't put it back together and then I'll be feeding or doing some maintenance or something I'm like, Oh, this would be a great picture. And I go to grab it. And I'm like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta kind of reset this up for macro photography. And by the time I've done that, whatever I wanted to photograph, uh, you know, they've gone into hiding or stopped doing whatever they're doing. And it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Those moments, those moments are precious, man. And, uh, I mean, you know, look at the net casters, you know, cause I, I know that you've done a lot with the net casters here lately. And, uh, um, I know that, you know, other photographers have too. Um, and it's, it's, everybody wants to catch that, you know, one moment where that net caster throws the net and captures the prey. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, and that's, you, you got to sit there and wait. So, you know, it doesn't come, uh, it doesn't come up, uh, very easily. Yeah. So. That's probably why they say never work with children or animals. Is there, they don't take direction. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, you never know where they're going to be. So it's kind of like, yeah, like I said, the luck of the draw. Yeah. Now you got some really cool photos of uh, your netcaster. I was kind of uh, jealous and frustrated because I, I ordered two. I thought, you know, that way I've got a 50-50 chance um, of, of getting yeah. some good photos. One of them arrives. Uh, it died during the shipping uh, process. So I like, opened yeah. it up and, and its abdomen had ruptured. Uh, the other one I oh, had wow. for about a week, I got a couple of good photos of it. And then uh, it, it, it had like webbed up. It was kind of suspended, hanging. And it had built. Uh, it's little like uh, it's a web for casting. I dropped in some crickets, watched it for about an hour. Nothing happened. Went to bed that night, came back the next morning. The crickets were gone. And then like two days later, it, it curled up and died. I was like devastated. Oh, wow. So now That's I have, crazy. I have no, uh, no, and I, you know, and I even talked to the guy I got him from and, and got a lot of advice yeah. on how best to keep them. You know, it wasn't like I, I don't know. It just, uh, it's like I just uh, was kind of frustrated, and then I saw you post yeah. some more pictures, and I was like, I guess his is doing well, so I can't get mad at the guy I got it from. You know, it could just no, be, I'm, you know. And I had a couple of them sent to me too. Uh, the first two that you know, I, I think there's they're they're just very very fragile with shipping. So um, that that was a big big thing you know, that I noticed with them was you know the first two didn't make it through shipping, and and uh, so I ended up getting another one. And that one's the one that I've been photographing. Um, yeah. She, she actually did an egg sack for us, uh, which I was, I was able to do a look, like a short reel on her, you know, spinning the egg sack, doing her thing. Um, 
but that was like a cell phone because you know i didn't have my camera ready and see that's mm-hmm. that, that's the fruits of having your camera ready i it just so happened that i caught her doing that and uh, my camera wasn't ready because i didn't plan on doing a photo shoot for that um but yeah it's uh you know sometimes you catch them doing crazy things and it's like oh i missed that one you know yeah so, well if that egg sack becomes viable and you get some slings you definitely have to let me know so. You know what, this is, you know, I, and I've seen a lot of spiders do their egg sacs, uh, true spiders, tarantulas. Um, this has to be the most perfect spherical orb that I've ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's very, very different from other egg sacs. Cause I mean, this thing is just like, it looks like she like hung a bowling ball. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. That's, that's basically wild. what it looks like. It's, it's, it's that perfect. It's, it looks like a bowling ball, but. She actually went down and grabbed some debris from the substrate and tried to attach. And she attached stuff like wood, to the sides of the egg case. It's pretty funny, you know. So I guess <laughs> apparently, I apparently I gotta I gotta act like I didn't see it. I guess I don't know. So. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, they are. Uh, they're an interesting. Uh, the, we're talking about for people uh, that aren't familiar, like the ogre face spider. Um, there's a lot of different names for it. Uh, very very yeah. cool. Uh, they're from Cameroon. Cameroon, I believe. African Cameroon, yeah, Cameroon. yeah. And uh, yeah, there, I, I was uh, when I was planning on trying to get some super slow motion of it, you know, casting its net and and trapping that prey. Uh, but one of my worries was, uh, it, while researching the species, I learned that they like their retinas, I believe, are extremely sensitive because they see so well at night. When the sun comes up at dawn, it actually like burns their retinas, and they have to regrow them for the next night. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. They. They actually reabsorb their retinas and regrow their retinas every day. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, <laughs> never would have known that. So yeah, you know, obviously I had to keep the the light off of uh, the netcaster. You know, keep the light down kind of low and and uh, just hope my uh, you know my cell phone could pull pull some light in because it was pretty dark in that room actually. So. Yeah, yeah, and then when you're shooting video, especially at high frame rates, to get it in slow mo, that really reduces the amount of light that's hitting the sensor so typically yeah. if when i'm recording tarantulas or something i have some you know some pretty powerful lights uh to kind of yeah. counteract that uh but in this situation i didn't want to do that because i didn't want to blind the spider right before it's it yeah. cast its net or something I was like because then it'll never work so i had like the iso pumped up so it had been pretty grainy but uh this new uh gh6 that i got has some cool like low light features it's I don't think it's technically night vision, but it, it, it had some cool, uh, you know, dynamic range boosts and stuff like that. So I had the minimal light as possible was still have like a halfway decent image and yeah, just yeah. burn up so much. You know, I mean, I ended up erasing it, but I mean, it was like an hour. I had the camera rolling, pointed at the enclosure and like even walked away to try it. Maybe if I give her some space, she'll, she'll oh, feel yeah. more comfortable. And then I'm, you yeah. know, kind of reviewing the, the, the footage and it's like, yeah, she didn't do a daggone thing the entire time, but hang there. Yeah, see, you know, people don't people don't realize the the efforts that we go through to coax some of these animals to to do their thing because, you know, in the three years that I've been doing macro photography and photographing invertebrates, one thing that I've noticed and one thing always stands true is you never tell an invertebrate what to do, you ask it, yeah. and and sometimes it doesn't want to do it, and you know, and sometimes it does, and you just gotta hope that you're ready for it. Yeah, yeah. Anytime I'm filming scorpions or or tarantulas, it feels more like a wrangler than anything. It's like a, yeah, basically, yeah. yeah that's to, essentially what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. 
And it's a, it's a, I feel like what you do is, is kind of a thankless job in a lot of ways. Cause I mean, there's some amazing photographs that you're posting on Instagram and that you have in this book that just came out. Uh, but it, I, I see, you know, I, I love, or I used to love Instagram before they kind of switched over to a, a TikTok format, but you know, I love <laughs> photography and it seems like, you know, if you're posting pictures of, uh, you know, geckos or, you know, reptiles or cute little fuzzy animals, you know, like jumping spiders, even they just, they blow up. People get really excited. They like them. It gets, you know, pushed out to a lot of different accounts and scorpions though. I mean, you, you probably put more work and effort into photographing scorpions and people do, you know, snakes or geckos or some other reptile, but that doesn't get yeah, but- near the amount of attention. Yeah, you know, arachnids, I, I've seen, you know, except for jumping spiders, arachnids really get vilified. And it's uh, it, it, it's hard to get any kind of following for any kind of arachnid photography. You know, I I noticed early on that a lot of the other macro photographers were mainly focusing in on like flies. They were they were doing um, insects and and you know subjects that were. A little bit more, you know, had a little bit more dimension to them. Whereas scorpions, you know, they're they're very very terrestrial, so there's there's not too much you can do with them as far as like trying to manipulate the uh, the placement of the shot. So, I mean, essentially, what you're left with is lateral views, ventral views, or you know, lateral views and horizontal views, you know, of the the species themselves. Mm-hmm. Whereas like. You know, you get a fly. I mean, you take a picture of a fly or or something else that's sitting on a leaf. You know, it's it, you've got a little bit more dimension to it for the macro photography, and the composition is generally a little bit better. But um, for scorpions, it's hard to really compose a well done shot. So yeah, it's it's very true, and uh, I feel your frustration in that. Uh, it seems like there's this one guy I follow on Instagram and YouTube, uh, Stuart Wood. I believe he's over in the UK or Europe somewhere. I think he's I think he's British. Uh, are you familiar uh, with him at all? Uh, you know, I, I haven't seen his stuff. No. Yeah, he mainly does. He works with uh, Lawa a lot, and you know, features okay. a lot of their lenses and, and things of that nature. But he mainly works with jumping spiders, uh, oh. a bunch of different species, and you know, he's got like little tiny cards for backgrounds, and like his YouTube videos are pretty much just showing uh, how to set up a spider, you know, like on a pine cone or something like that with a backdrop. Oh yeah, get these cool photos. Yeah, you know, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. You know, it takes more than what most people would think. And a jumping spider, you know, I, for the longest time, I was like, okay, well, jumping spiders are kind of the macro photographer's pinnacle because they don't sit still for anybody. And yeah. for you to get a, you to get a good stack off of, uh, you know, a jumping spider, it's, it's, it's not very, it's not very easy. It's, it's a very, very hard thing to accomplish. Yeah. Um, so that's why a lot of times you'll see jumping spider photos with, uh, say, a fly in its mouth or something like that, because 10 to 1, that's the only way they could have gotten them to sit still was feeding. <laughs> yeah. so. And they're so curious. Like anytime I try photograph a mine, they spend most of the time on the lens. <laughs> they see oh, the yeah. lens get close to them, they just jump onto it. It's like, come on. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like they're fascinated by the, by the lens that's looking at them. Yeah. And, and one of the ways they cheat. Um, especially with jumping spider photos. And, and I've, I'm not going to lie. I've done that a few times. Like I did it with one of the uh, ogre face spider, the one that arrived dead. I kind of like displayed it out and took some, you know, macro photos of it. I think you were the only one yeah. that, that caught it. You were like, uh, <laughs> that, that spider's not alive. It's like, that's, that's true. <laughs> 
Um, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, with macro photography, you can tell with you know some of the graying of the eyes. Um, you know, you notice know certain things, and, and and it's basically just a macro photographer would know because they've they've been in that position. But um, yeah, you know, and I've done it too. And and sometimes when you end up with like a, a dead specimen, um, or say something that just recently had passed away. Um, that's probably a really, really good time to get some really tight shots. If you, if you, if you have the equipment to do it, yeah. um, you know, it's, and it's, I like doing it with, you know, on the, on the occasion that I do have a dead assessment, I, you know, I, I, I like to do that just to see the finer details, you know, obviously, cause at that point they're not moving anymore. So yeah. you, know, you can really kind of hone in on it. Um, I mean, I've seen guys, uh, and they were already dead, but especially with jumping spiders, and they just kind of stick a little pin through the abdomen and then, you know, have that on a clip so it's kind of suspended and, and then take a photo of the spider. So it, if, if you don't know, it, that jumping spider looks alive. It looks like a really cool photo, but, you know, it's like the yeah. subtle difference. Like you said, the eyes is usually uh, where, where I, can, I can tell. I'm like, that, that's a cool photo, but that is a dead spider. Yeah, because uh, you know the eyes start getting a, like a metallic look to them, and then uh, you know they start graying over a little bit. You know, yeah. At that point, you know you, you can pretty well tell that the you know the spider's probably been deceased for maybe about I don't know twenty four hours or so, so yeah, or twelve hours. I did but, one uh, um, jumping spider, and it drove me. Like I took all these photos, and I didn't notice it. I couldn't see it while like with the naked eye, and I didn't even see it through the like while I was taking the photos. But when I got him into the Lightroom and was editing them there was just a little speck of dirt on, on its eye. It's like, if that was alive, there would not be that dirt there. So I had to like try to go in and Photoshop that out. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's the thing is they, they always clean themselves too. So they're always very, very, uh, I guess they're notorious for sitting there using their pet, you know, their front pedipalps to clean off their eyes or, or do something else. But yeah, it's, that's one of the most amazing things I think you could actually see with macro photography is uh you know jumping spider's eyes because you know that's not something that people normally see so yeah. you know they they like looking at them because they're they're a cute version of a spider um i don't know if you have, have you ever seen that thing uh that was on the internet lucas the spider oh yeah yeah definitely yeah which i mean that thing was you know it, it ended up you know that cartoon ended up being huge and it's all yeah. it's just about a jumping spider yeah so. <laughs> yep uh, my kid or my granddaughter loves that. She calls it the piter. <laughs> she, <laughs> she she enjoys. It. I tried to show her, like I have some jumping spiders, and I, she didn't find them as fascinating as the cartoon. <laughs> Probably because it wasn't talking in a high pitched voice. But yeah, yeah jumping yeah. spiders are, are cool. They're cool to photograph, and and I like them. But I think that the work you've been doing with scorpions and other inverts like that that aren't as popular and you know aren't as uh, cute, I guess, is <laughs> yeah. pretty amazing. Well, you know, the, that's the thing is I, I figure it is, you know, from a photography standpoint, if you bring it to people, maybe they'll take the time to take a look at it. You know, I just wanted to be able to show people what these animals look like up close and be able to do it to where they can enjoy the colors. They can enjoy all the fine details of it and uh, they don't have to worry about keeping, you know, they can, yeah. they can just view the images and if they want to delve into that fear that they might have of arachnids they can or they can simply enjoy the photo for what it is yeah and even people that keep them 
macro photography like really opens up a whole nother world. You know, that that's what got me into it is I kept tarantulas for a long time and was taking yeah. pictures of them with my cell phone. And then I got a camera and was taking pictures of them. But when I got that first macro lens and, and started learning to use it, it, I, I was seeing things on tarantulas that I didn't even, I had never noticed before because, you know, maybe it was just so small or it seemed yeah. insignificant at, you know, at the distance of, you know, just eyesight. But I mean, yeah, just yeah. The, the way the eyes are shaped and, and the hairs, the way that, you know, especially like uh, on a tarantula is the hair of the carapace. You know, to me, yeah. it just, it looks, like the green bottle blue has kind of got like this cool fuzzy looking carapace or something. But under macro photography, there's like waves to the hair and all kinds of uh, cool little details you, you would never have noticed. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, you know, three years ago, I picked up my first macro, you know, camera. And here I am expecting to get these awesome images and, so I pick up the camera and I, you know, got my photo shoot ready and click off my first picture. I'm looking at it. And I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't look anything like what this. So, I mean, you know, and of course, after that, I had to start learning all the techniques and stacking and, you know, mm-hmm. really get into the whole F-stop thing. And, you know, depth of field was huge. Um, yeah. So, you know, I had to really, really understand a lot of that. You know, I, I didn't know any of that stuff when I picked up the camera. I had no idea what depth of field was and, you know, how to stack images or, or how to do any of that stuff. So yeah, it I was mean, uh, definitely a heavy learning curve. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I, I started off the same way. And I mean, when I got my first like actual mirrorless camera, I didn't, I, I almost refused to learning any of that stuff. I was like, I don't really care about the, you know, the, what, the aperture is or what the ISO setting. I just had everything on auto and was recording that Mm -hmm. way. And that's also how I took uh, photos. I didn't even use a flash at first. It was just all auto. (laughs) And I was getting so frustrated because I'm like, my depth of field is so shallow and the images are so grainy. And it was kind of like, I wanted to have better photography and better video. And it got to the point. It's like, okay, I just got to learn this stuff because it's, uh, that's what's holding me back. And I get frustrated when, when people reach out to me and they're like, you know, you're, images or your, your footage is, is so amazing. What camera are you using? And it's just like, and that was the, what I started off, you know, talking to you about because I knew that's what people were going to be asking. Uh, but yeah. I just want to make the point that it, in a lot of ways, it, it doesn't matter. I feel like what camera no. you're using is maybe 10% of the, uh, of kind of the equation. It's the skills yeah. that you develop, you know, whether you're using a Canon or a Lumix or an Olympus or a Sony, oh, you know, it, it, it's the skills, yeah, you know. I mean, I mean, the the R five is the R five is Canon's flagship camera right now, and you would think that you pick it up and you'd be able to snap off these pictures with you know high quality gear. I mean, that's Canon's best camera. And when you pick up the camera and you finally realize that there's a lot of different techniques that you have to employ to to make that macro image the image, um, it's you really, really need to know your gear. Um, and it's the, the equipment, the equipment means, like you said, about 10%. Everything else is, is how the photographer manages aperture, light, you know, ISO, all these different things. Um, and, and to be quick about it, because obviously situations change, you know, especially with what we do with, you know, live invertebrates. You know, obviously the, the aperture, depending on the, I guess, how the animal's sitting, the aperture changes, the ISO might change, everything changes about the, about the image. 
So I've got mine to where I can just spin a dial real fast on a lens or, you know, and it's, it's really, really quick, you know, so I can make those quick adjustments to where, you know, I don't miss that image if, if it does present itself. Yeah. I, I'm sure Canon has this as well, just because it's such, you know, it's the top of the line. Uh, but the Lumix cameras that I use have hotkeys. I don't know if that's what yeah. they officially call them, but I can, you know, set it up, have all these settings and save it to a key or to a button essentially. And I think depending on which camera I have, there's, you know, anywhere between two to five. And so like if I'm in a situation, you know, I, I don't have to worry about going through all the settings. I can just hit one of the presets that I, I kind of designed and it, it's ready to yeah. go and shoot this type of exactly. video or shoot this type of, uh, you know, picture. And and I find that really helpful. <laughs> it's like, how, how did yeah, I yeah. live without this? Yeah. Presets are, presets are a wonderful thing, you know, especially if, if you know, I mean, because, you know, the ambient light that I always have in my room, it never changes. So at that point, I know my flash, you know, my flash power might go up, but my ISO always stays at 100. I never, I never go over 100 ISO. Yeah. You know, because when you get into the macro aspect of it and you really blow up these pictures and you're trying to get that fine detail, you know, any kind of noise into the image really kind of destroys it. So. Um, yeah, I, I like to keep my ISO down low and I'll just boost my flash power up if I have to and just hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, one thing I like to tell people, um, when they're, when they're asking questions about gear is, you know, if you hire a carpenter to build a house or, you know, a cabinet or something like that, uh, it doesn't really matter if he's using DeWalt or Milwaukee or, you know, what, whatever brand power tools he's got, like, you're not concerned about that. You're concerned about his skills and ability and experience. So, I mean, I, I feel yeah. like, uh, and I fell into that trap when I first started getting into cameras. Like I started with a Lumix G7 and I wanted sharper, uh, better quality photos. And instead of being like, well, I need to learn more. I was like, I just need to get a better camera with, uh, a, you know, more megapixels on the sensor. So I went with the, the G9. And that didn't fix the problem, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> but it's like, I didn't learn. Uh, I'm shooting. I'm like, well, I need a, I'm doing more video than photography. So I need a more video centric camera. So I got a G5 and yeah, yeah. it was like, it had all these really cool options and, and settings, but if you don't know how to use them, they're worthless, you know? So yeah, you, yeah. You know, it, it can get frustrating. But it's yeah, a trap yeah, I think people can. fall into uh, when they get into fo no, photography. It, it's like, it, you know, that gear acquisition syndrome. Like, I got to get the newest thing that'll make me a better photographer. Yeah, it, 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 it's totally a trap. I've, I've seen guys do amazing, amazing stuff with older cameras that don't even have half the megapixels that I'm shooting with. Um, and it's just their techniques. I mean, you know, some of these guys... You know, the older macro photographers, I mean, they're, they're doing amazing things with like older cameras and they don't need the megapixels because, you know, the megapixels, they help out if you crop in. It reduces the, you know, obviously the, the spread of each pixel if you crop in. So it's, your images are going to remain sharp. But, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the, the, the equipment isn't going to help you with the depth of field and, you know, and, and everything that you have to set up prior to taking the shot. And I think setup is, is one of those things where a lot of people overlook the setup of, of what the photograph is going to be. Yeah. Um, and you mean like the compositions? Yeah. So, okay. you know, when, when, when you're set, when you, when you're setting up your photograph, when you're doing a composition or, or you're, you're, you've got in your head exactly what you want to shoot and how you want to shoot it. You know, I have a tendency to, set up my camera that way and and I'll do a couple of test shots before I even put the animal out 
you know, on the deck. And, um, you know, that way I, I've got my weight, I've got my white balance, I've got everything going for me. And now all I've got to do is introduce the animal into the situation and see what happens. Yeah. And, and, you know, being properly set up for, you know, the session and, you know, just being on top of it as much as you can, it, it helps me uh, be a little bit more successful, you know, more times than none. Um, but, you know, I mean, and that being said, there's many times that I walk in that room and end up walking out empty handed with nothing on the card. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's frustrating. Yeah, I, I had a... Um somebody sent me some very cool tarantula jewelry. Like, uh, you know, they had to make these casts and they poured up, I think it was copper or something like that. Some it's kind of metal. Uh, but to make the casts for that, they 3d printed some tarantulas, you know, and, and I'm not going to go through that whole process, but when they sent me the jewelry, they also sent me the 3d models that they use. That was just plastic. And now oh, wow. I, I use those as the, uh, kind of like a placeholder <laughs> or stand in gotcha. when I'm setting yeah, up the yeah. lights and the flash and everything. I'll, I'll grab the, yeah, the yeah. little fake plastic tarantula that's similar in size and set it on there and use that until everything's kind of dialed in. And then I'll swap oh, it yeah. out with a real one. That's perfect. Cause I mean, you know, with the size comparison, you get your depth of field right there. So yeah, you know, at, at least you could see it. I mean, you know, at that point you can make a decision that, okay, well, you know, this is going to be a single shot image capture or, you know, I might have to stack two or three here to make it look, you know, relatively good. So, yeah, yeah I mean, there, there, there's all kinds of different things, you know, when, when people set up their, their, their shoot, you know, um, that's, that, that, I think that's one of the, the best things you can do is do like a, a preliminary shoot. And then even when I take the animal out and I have the animal, you know, in situ, when I'm going to shoot, I'll hit them with a flash just to see how they react, you know, yeah. And that's prior to me taking the catch cup off because usually what I do is I'll, I'll sit them down and I'll, you know, and they'll be catch cup to where obviously if they're going to bolt, they're not going to go very far. And I do that for animal safety and my own safety. Um, you know, the animal safety is obviously the most paramount thing because I mean, they're good enough to allow me to image them, but you know, I'll hit them while they're under a catch cup just to see what they're going to do under a flash because different things act different ways when they're hit with extreme light and you know and arachnids most of them are nocturnal so you hit them with light you know the chances are they're probably going to run but um I've, I've been i've been pretty successful and as long as i do a test flash i seem to i seem to be uh you know on the mark so yeah, yeah. i mean your photography speaks for itself it's uh you got some amazing images um oh I, thank you I, I did want to talk quickly since you brought it up about flash. I think that's something that a lot of people just getting into macro photography, especially of inverts, don't take into consideration. Or, I mean, I know I did, and I'll just speak for myself. I, I didn't understand the importance of the, you know, the intensity of the flash, the diffusion, which, you know, is like kind of passing it through a translucent uh, material to kind of soften the, the harsh edges and stuff. And, and I learned through embarrassment, yeah. I guess, is a, through humiliate like i would post a picture that i was really proud of i didn't like it didn't look the way i wanted it to when i would compare it to other macro photos that you know i i enjoyed but for what i like i was like this is the best picture i've put out so far and then I, yeah. there would be other photographers in the comments like hey you, you know you should really use this type of diffusion and, and stuff like that and, and so i kind of i mean I, I they weren't trying to be mean they were trying to be helpful uh but yeah. that you know that's how i learned but uh, you know, what kind of diffusion, like how do you diffuse the light or the flash when you're photographing or photographing these animals? 
Well, you know, I do two things. So, you know, I, I work with on-camera flash and off-camera flash. So, uh, which obviously most people do, you know, that's, <laughs> but when I'm on camera, I, I use what's called a uh, MK diffuser and, uh, it, it's designed by uh, a friend of mine. His name is Marcus Cam. And, uh, it's, it's basically a hood. If you were to look at it, that covers the flash and it, it diffuses it by spreading the flash out to where it's not going to burn the subject in one particular spot. So, and by burn, I mean the hot spots you'll see, like where if, if say, if you're photographing a scorpion or beetle that has, you know, an exoskeleton that's highly reflective, you'll see like, um, the very top portion of their exoskeleton will be kind of like whited out a little bit where the, the flash kind of burned that image a little bit. So, the fusion really helps with taking those burned areas away um, and it evens the light out, you know, over the subject versus, you know, all those little harsh spots, those hot spots, yeah. you know, if you will. Yeah. I mean, for people that aren't photographers and have no clue what we're talking about, uh, just kind of imagine, <laughs> like, you know, you got your cell phone out and you're trying to take a picture outside, you know, and, and you kind of like focus in on the person. So yeah. the camera adjusts automatically so that the the person is properly exposed but you'll notice that like the sky is there's no yeah. detail in it at all it's just like completely white so that that's yeah. kind of it, it blows out the sky so when we're doing macro photography sometimes the flash where it reflects especially on scorpions uh you know yeah. they, they're kind of shiny <laughs> and reflective you know it, it can blow some it are, out and there's no way to others. edit it yeah. It, it, yeah if there's no detail in there it, there's there's no way to like reduce it and, and get that back yeah, it, it, it takes all the detail away. So basically what you did is, you know, all that detail, all that information that is in that one little location of that image is now gone. So uh, there's no way to even bring it back in post. Uh, you know, I've tried <laughs> numerous times, you know, because I've had some images that were really, really good. But, you know, it's it's they've had some burn spots. And I was like, man, you know, I just uh, was a little off the mark here. Um, that does happen, you know. Uh, so. Sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll do on camera flash where the, the flash is actually sitting on top of the camera on the hot shoe, which is right there on top of the camera. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for some of the body shots that I do, um, I'll shoot light across, you know, above the subject, um, not on the subject itself, but across the top of it. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of the fusion and a lot of like, how light falls really means a lot to an image. Um, you know, the light's going to continue on. So but what you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to manipulate how the light is falling on the subject, which is a very hard thing to do. So um, it's, it's, it's all angles. It's like playing pool, yeah. <laughs> playing pool with the camera. Yeah. I feel that. And, and just to kind of put it in layman's terms for people with an, a real world example, they may be able to uh, understand. It's kind of like, imagine having a flashlight and pointing at a white wall. You know, you're going to get exactly. like a, a nice little round circle. That's just the intense light. But if you put a yeah. paper towel in front of the light bulb or in front of the flashlight, it's, it will diffuse that light. Now it's not just a, a yeah. sharp circle on the wall. It's, it's just more spread out, more balanced. Uh, it's duller, exactly. but it's, it's more even. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tricky trying to like figure that out and not being classically trained or formally trained, I guess is a better way. <laughs> like a lot of it for me was watching YouTube videos and trial and error and I'm still learning, oh, yeah. still trying to figure that stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and a lot of times when I'm photographing, I'll actually underexpose the image just, 
you know, because you never know how that exoskeleton is really, really going to work with the light. So you know, I prefer to be slightly underexposed than say, I'd rather be underexposed than overexposed. I feel um, you know, I could always raise up the exposure and in, in post. So, and what I mean by that is after the image is already taken, I can use like Lightroom or, or Photoshop and just raise the exposure just a little bit. It doesn't change the image, but it, what it does is it changes, changes how, how light the image is, how, how much light you're bringing into the image. So, yeah, it, and the detail is still there because, you know, if it's underexposed, it's it's still there it's not burned away yeah you know like if you would with a hot spot right now do you shoot in raw like exclusively yeah exclusively exclusively in raw so uh obviously for me because i do shoot in raw um and for those that don't know raw is uh a style where uh the image isn't going to have as much vibrant color when you initially take it, but it's going to have more information that you can later manipulate and post. So when you shoot in raw, you end up uh, with more detail than you would with any other style, say format. Like a Um, lot more information. Like when you compare the file size to a JPEG and to a raw, it's it's sometimes five times as as much, sometimes more. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it it gives you a lot to play with. It gives you a lot of wiggle room. Um, And bringing the colors back in post is very, very easy. And, you know, as long as you follow the histogram, it, it'll tell you what your thresholds are for your blacks, your whites, your, uh, you know, your highlights and stuff like that. So essentially the image isn't changing. The colors are already there. You're just bringing them forward. Um, you're, you're never really changing, you know, <laughs> the color of the image or, you know, enhancing it so much that, you know, it, it looks stupid. I've, I've seen a lot of, a lot of imagery, especially with uh, some of the Metallicas, and I'm sure you've seen it too, where it's oversaturated, you know, so enhanced. I've been guilty of it. Well, I mean, we all have because, <laughs> I mean, they're such a beautiful species. I mean, they're such a beautiful species, and everybody wants to see that blue. But in all actuality, when you're when you're looking at those with your, you know, human eyes, you don't see the blue the same way the camera does. Yeah. So. It's uh, it's it's slightly different, you know, when you, when you view it through the camera and you know versus the human eye. So, yeah, I mean, I've got a P Metallica right here next to my desk. She's walking around, and she's more gray <laughs> right now than she is blue. You know, so it's like, yeah. uh, it 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 can be, and that's why when I'm photographing tarantulas specifically, I usually wait until right after a molt because that seems to be when their colors are the most vibrant. Uh, when they're oh, when yeah. they're getting close to pre molt, sometimes they're so dull. Uh, you know, the only way to make them look like they do at their peak is to oversaturate the image, but that it rarely works. You know, it's like it, it may bring out the blues, but then it also over like when you oversaturate, it kind of sometimes will put like a pinkish hue to the whites or, you know, some kind of weird gold color to a brown. And it's like, okay, that does not look natural at all. Yeah. And, and, and where you could see it isn't necessarily the subject, but if you look off and you look into the composition of where, where the subject was placed, you'll see it on like the background where you, where you'll see, okay, the heavy saturation. It's pretty obvious at that point, but yeah, that, um, that leaf is not yeah, natural. You know, neon I mean, some, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, and, and then, you know, I've also had problems with like, uh, say the more translucent animals that I've, I've photographed, you know, cause there's certain scorpions that are 
are translucent. They, they, they look very like see-through. And, and one of the things that I've noticed with photographing them is I really, really had to pay attention to how the light is being reflected and reflected off the other things that are in my room because the camera will actually pick up the light reflections coming back into the scorpion's exoskeleton. So like, say if I had something blue that was sitting on the table and the light reflected off of that, it's now on the scorpion, even though it wasn't even in the composition of the shot. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's little things like that where you really kind of have to hide that light to get, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's com it's comedy when you, when you, when you sit down and you think you're good and then all of a sudden something stupid, like something blue sitting on the desk, you know, just ruined your shot and it wasn't even part of the composition. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I laugh cause I've been battling with that, uh, recently, like this week I've been doing a lot of photography and video of tarantula cribs enclosures uh he hired me to do yeah. some proto fo- uh, photos for his website product photos for his website and for well, for tarantula cribs right yeah yeah so right working with the uh acrylic can can be very because it reflects you know and it's like it to my naked eye it looks like it's a well-lit uh image and i'll take a picture of it yeah. and then get on the computer and look at it and I'll see that it's actually reflecting some of the enclosures. So I've like had to like build this black wall, like kind of kind of like in a a, a room within a room, and have like the camera yeah. lens poking through a black piece of cardboard, just to, yeah, to mean, get those reflections from to, to stop. But at the same time, yeah. I'm also using lights that are like you know pretty far away, but mm-hmm. uh, you know so that they aren't you know casting. They're not, you know, because it has a black background or something. Because you know, he we wanted it to just essentially he wanted the the product to pop and not have a bunch of distracting yeah. stuff in the background. So it's got a black background, and sometimes I would shine a blue light on it, and that would show up on the background. So I have to kind of angle them away, and I'm essentially what you were just talking about trying to avoid. I'm trying to employ, you know, <laughs> like I'm yeah. trying to get that light yeah. to reflect off there subtly, so that it, it kind of gives it, it it's because they're they're clear enclosures, so sometimes they can just blend right into the background. So Trying to balance yeah. that can be, it, it's, it's, was, it's a I, trick. I was told long ago when I first got into this by, uh, you know, <clears throat> one of my friends, he, he goes by macro Bryce on, uh, on Instagram His his accounts. Amazing. You know, he does a lot of jumping spiders, does a lot of field work. He, he, he takes these amazing pictures. Uh, you know, and he chooses to, you know, do a lot of, a lot of his photography in the field versus studio work. But, you know, I mean, there's two different kinds of macro photographers, you know, usually field and studio. Um, but he, he told me long ago that light diffusion is it's like an ongoing journey. When you think you're there, you're not even you're not even close. So it's <laughs> it's like it always it, it always seems to change, you know, and it's like you pick up these techniques for you know certain shoots that you do and you pick up a technique and you think you got it down. And then you go to move on to something else. And next thing you know, you're, you're revamping how you were doing it. So, yeah. I have a lot of respect uh, for uh, photographers that work out in the field. Cause anytime we'd go camping or, you know, take a little weekend vacation, uh, cabin out in the woods, I'd bring my macro set up and with the intention of like, I'm going to get out and I'm going to get some photos of these, uh, you know, insects out in the woods. And to do yeah. that, you usually got to get up at sunrise, you know, cause that's like when they're oh. kind of the most calm. Yeah. Yeah. Get them, get them when the dew hits them. Cause you know, where, you know, when they're, when they're cold, they're not going to be moving around as much. Um, so I know a lot of the guys, they go out during like early morning, like you said. Um, but the crazy thing is, is like 
you could spend hours out there and you might not even find something cool, you know, and yeah. people don't realize how many hours that, you know, photographers actually spend on doing the field work. So the, you're right. I mean, hands down to those guys, kudos to the, the guys that do the field work. I mean, so, some amazing stuff like, uh, Aaron Mollenkamp, uh, goes by Nightfall Photography on, uh, on Instagram. I mean, his stuff, I don't know how he does it, but he's got some of the best flying, like in flight bees. And I don't know how he does it it's because he shoots in that. Yeah. I mean, the guy shoots in manual, so it's not like it's autofocused. I mean, uh, you know, even the best cameras, I don't think can autofocus on something that tiny, but, uh, I mean, his, his, his in flight B images are just breathtaking. So yeah. it's, I think I've seen some of if those. anybody, yeah, I mean, if anybody if anybody wants to check him out, yeah, look up uh, Nightfall Photography on Instagram. Is uh, <laughs> he's one of he's one of the best in the world, yeah, hands down, one of the best. Yeah, well, I, I'm not a morning person, so I, I would usually do it once, get up early, take some photos, or not, and get frustrated. Like this was not worth getting up at six o'clock in the morning. I'm going to sleep <laughs> in the rest of the, our trip. Uh, the one 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 place we went, I had a lot of luck. Was uh, here in West Virginia. There's a botanical garden, a couple maybe like oh, an right. hour and a half away, and it's you know it's just like a bunch of trails, and they've got all kinds of cool plants planted all along the trail, and it's just there's butterflies and beetles and all. I mean, there's just bugs everywhere. So it was it was like yeah. a, I look like a crazy person because I'm there with my family, and I've got <laughs> the camera with the big macro lens, and then like the hood macro diffuser and. <laughs> carrying all that around my neck and people are like what is that guy got oh uh, yeah it, it looks totally weird when somebody sees a macro setup so. yeah <laughs> you're like laying prostate on the ground like just all spread out trying yeah. to get a picture of this bug on a blade of grass <laughs> is that guy okay oh, yeah. <laughs> so i prefer working Struggle. in the studio so to speak yeah no, no me too i you know i've always been a more of a studio photographer i've done some stuff in the field but you know i mean for me, uh, I, I think people would enjoy seeing more of the showcase images. I mean, I like to isolate the animal, kind of show off the animal for what they are, you know, and, you know, the in situ images, I, I get it. You know, they, they look beautiful, but for me, I, I just kind of like showcasing the animal and showing what the animal is. Yeah. So that's that's why a lot of my images you'll see are like reflective backgrounds or say the black black backdrops or something like that. You know, I just trying to isolate the animal and, and give them center stage, if you will. Yeah. And you did a, a an amazing job on this book that just came out, Venomous Words. And that's a, a collaboration between you and Jeff Oliver. Uh, do you want to yes, maybe sir. just kind of explain a little bit like how this concept came about and, and what exactly this book is? Well, um, basically what this is, it's a, it's, it's dark lyrical poetry fused together with my macro images. And each one of the poems were created for the images themselves. And, uh, you know, we've got multiple collaborators on, on, you know, in the book. Uh, so, and the way we did it, we did like, we left openings for like eight collaborators. So basically eight people could collaborate with, with Jeff in writing the poem, you know, eight legs, eight collaborators. So, you know, it made sense to us. Um, I love that. But what we did, yeah, you know, just little things like that, you know, to make it kind of special. But, um, but what we did is we, we paired each one of my images with, you know, his dark lyrical poetry 
Um, and I ghosted the images from the previous page. So when, so you'll see a ghosted image and you'll see the poem. And then when you turn the page, you'll actually see, you know, it, it keeps you going. It's like a premonition of the next image, if you will. Um, but it's, it's funny how this came about, man. Um, I, I never would have expected it to turn into a book. Uh, I'm glad it did. I, I think it's awesome. Um, I had contacted Jeff probably back in August. Uh, I think, I think it was back in August. And I, you know, and I just, you know, wrote him on Instagram, said, Hey, look, you know, I've, I've seen your, some of your, you know, your poetry. And I think it just matches really, really well with my imagery. And I wanted to do like, say, some collabs on maybe just a few posts on Instagram. Um, but once Jeff got into my, my Insta, he, he saw my images. He, he kind of was set on doing the whole book thing and I'm glad he was. So, uh, yeah, it, it just turned out really, really good. Yeah. I, I, and you sent me a copy and I've been, you know, I, I received it yesterday and I've been looking over it and it's, it's just, uh, I don't even know the right word to describe it. I I don't have any other books like this in my collection and I have a lot of books, uh, but it, it is cool because it's, you know, you, you open it up and there's, you know, a little poem and, you know, with like a, a like you said, a ghosted image of a, of a, some kind of arachnid, a spider or scorpion or something kind of behind the words. But then on the other page, you know, so like the, the poem would be on the left-hand side, the right-hand side, you've got this beautiful macro photo like right now i'm looking at a uh uh the walking i'm probably mispronouncing that <laughs> the, the hill is oh yeah the jumping sp- yeah. yeah yeah and it's just uh and it, there's really no way to describe the quality of the photos you know that the, it's printed on this very thick heavy paper uh so like the color saturation is beautiful the, the images are extremely sharp like i mean I, before we started recording i was saying like uh, if it wasn't in this nice book, I would be really tempted to cut these out and frame them because it's just like, it, it's <laughs> very high quality and it's very enjoyable to look at. And you've got scorpions and tarantulas, mantises, jumping spiders. I mean, all, all kinds of different inverts in here. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to just settle for one, you know, I, I didn't want to leave something out. So I kind of tried to go all the way around, around the horn with the, you know, as much as I could get. So. Yeah, and you had sent me a PDF version uh, a while ago, and I was looking at it, and that tiger beetle portrait that you had, like I was impressed with it, <laughs> looking at it on my computer screen, but seeing it in per- person on, on this, uh, you know, in this book, like it, it, it's a whole other level of clarity and beauty. Like, uh, and and nice, I have a man. pretty expensive monitor for editing videos, so I was like, it can't be much better than this, you know, two thousand awesome. dollars screen, man. but yeah, it, it definitely is. So. It's very cool. So how, how long did it take you guys to put this book together? Uh, you know, <clears throat> that's that's a compilation of basically the last three years. So, you know, I, I took a lot of the good images and I and we were very, very careful, you know, trying to find the images that, you know, would work best with the book. So, you know, Jeff selected some, I selected some, um, and then he would write the poems to go with the, the images themselves. Um it took a while. Uh, we, we started this back in August. Um, you know, we, we had a couple hiccups with it. Um, you know, just with, you know, the publishing and, and getting the images correct, uh, you know, in the proper format and, and on the right paper, because that means a lot. Um, so it was released, it was released, uh, a little while ago. 
And when I received the copy, you know, because they didn't send any proofs when they uh, originally did it, which that was problematic for us because uh, obviously I care a lot about how my images look. And uh, this book was a big deal to me. Um, when I did get the book, I, I noticed that the image quality wasn't there. And it was mainly because the paper that they used was 70 pound papers, uncoated. Um, I had to put an end to it. So had that edition pulled off the shelves and went back to the drawing board and did it myself, basically. Um, you know, the, the publisher was unable to do it. So, um, I grabbed the bull by the horns and did it myself. Um, and it turned out, turned out good. It's just, uh, you know, you use the proper paper and, and format things the right way. And then, you know, it, it takes on a totally different life. Yeah. I feel you. It's uh, it, it's a, a very cool book and it's, you know, it's definitely not one that's going to go on my shelf. Like uh, it, it's, it's more of a, a coffee table piece. That's <laughs> something I want people to see when they come over. I can't keep it on my coffee well, it, table right now. Cause I've, I got a toddler running around. It would turn into a coloring well, well, book real quick, but. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, well, like you said, you know, it's, it's very, very different from any books that you, you know, than anybody's ever seen because this is the first of its kind. Um, <clears throat> it's it's got some really really good reviews on Amazon. It's uh you know if anybody wants to check it out, it's on Amazon. Uh, Venomous words, um, but it's it's very very different. I don't think anybody's paired macro photography with poetry or you know kind of stepped into that realm yeah. of of what you can what you can do um you know with with collaborations like that. So we were kind of the first with it. I you know I haven't seen anything like it elsewhere um but me neither it seems like everybody everybody seems to enjoy it so yeah and and i like collecting books about you know inverts i mean i got a whole bunch essentially i just scroll through amazon when i'm bored sometimes or you know hit up local bookshops and if i see any book that is about tarantulas or mantises or scorpions or anything i you know i end up buying it you know reading through it real quick and then put it on the shelf and it collects dust and uh yeah, you know, yeah. one of the things that's been really frustrating for me is that, you know, some, sometimes these books are expensive. Like there's a couple of tarantula yeah. books I got that were $150, $200 and, you know, you get them in and the information's good, but the photos are, yeah, you know, they're just, they're not very sharp. They're kind of blurry. Uh, it's sometimes yeah. just like, they almost look like somebody just took them with a cell phone, you know? And it's just like, this, this isn't yeah. the art that I was looking for. You know, I enjoy, I, enjoy, I mean, I can read, I'm not saying I only buy books for the pictures, but you know, when you when you're talking about a tarantula and all of its different aspects and and features, as far as like the colors and the hairs and stuff like that, and you have a picture next to it, it's frustrating to not be able to see that because it's it's so pixelated. Yeah, you know, and and I, I wish there was a, I guess a larger larger market for what we're doing to to get our images into, um, you know, a lot of those books that have the papers because you know. I think the macro photography aspect of it adds a lot to, to any book. Um, you know, I, with this book, I didn't go for say care instructions and stuff like that. I did, I did the basic, um, descriptions for the animals that you're seeing. Uh, and a, a lot of that was geared more towards not a keeper, but just somebody off the street that if they, you know, they pick it up, they, they want to know a little bit more. They want to enjoy the photos, you know, uh, it might spark a little bit of interest for them. Uh, 
cause them to maybe delve into the whole keeping aspect of, of what this is and the hobby. So yeah. that was kind of my thing. Um, so I, I didn't really get too far into the, the descriptions of, of each. Um, I, I, I just wanted to make it as, as basic as I could, you know, I didn't want to overwhelm somebody early on. You know, you know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. And I think you did that well. Like it just, it, you know, has the scientific name and a little bit of information about them, but, you know, it, if you're not, you know, it's, you don't really need much more than that. I mean, to because it's really about enjoying the images and the beauty of the yeah. specimens, you know, it's, it's, it's not a scientific, it's not a science book, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, it's, it's yeah, a macro yeah. photography book with, you know, and, and poetry. I don't want to leave Jeff yeah, out of yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I, no, it's, it's, it's different. Yeah. And, and to kind of go back on what I was saying earlier, just as far as look, like, it's like, I follow you on Instagram. I really enjoy your photos, but it's I'm, I'm looking at them on my phone, you know, and, and through that screen and through Instagram's compression algorithm that can sometimes really screw things up. You know, I mean, they're still great looking <laughs> pictures, but there's something about having printed pictures. It's it's uh, it, it's just a completely different uh, medium. You know, it, it's like that, yeah. it's a cool picture, but then you print it out on, like uh, you know, some nice uh, photo paper. And it's like, wow, that, that is a, an amazing image. Yeah, well, and, you know, I, and I and I agree with you. I, I I think I think holding it in your hand and seeing it on, say, photo paper or, you know, just having it in front of you. Yeah. Any I, other version except for digital. I mean, digital is fine for looking at your phone or your computer or something like that. But you get a total totally different feel when when you have a print in front of you or you're looking at a print on the wall. It's, you know, you I, I just think you can enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, digital is very disposable. You know, you, you look at it and you scroll on by and you probably will never yeah. see it again unless you go to that person's account and like look for it. But yeah. you know, when you, when you have an actual print hanging on your wall or you have a book like this, it, you know, it's something that you can stare at for you know minutes or, I mean, I, I would say hours, but I don't know if I'd stare at it for an hour. <laughs> I don't have that kind of time, <laughs> uh, free time, but yeah. It, and it's, and you can, I know where it always is. I can just go grab it, pull it off the shelf, enjoy these photos or, I'm talking to somebody about a, uh, you know, a specific scorpion or something, it'd be a great book to kind of reference. Like, you know, look at that. Uh, it, it just, yeah. anybody I've shown it to since you sent it to me, uh, has, has been blown away. They're like, wow, that is, that is really, and people that like, they don't even like scorpions or spiders, you know, they're just, <laughs> yeah, they're not photography fans, but they're like, wow, that is impressive stuff. And not to brag, but my copy is signed by both Jeff Oliver and Gordon Riley. So, you know, yes, sir. you guys should be jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we, you know, we flew that one around the country for you. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, cause I'm in California and yeah. Jeff is in, Jeff is in uh, New York. So, um, yeah, so the books came to me, then they went to him and then, yeah, then they came back and then, then they went to you. Yeah. So cool. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it, it took some time, you know, to get the dual sign copies. It, it, they, the books do <laughs> do take some travel time, but yeah, as a book yeah. tour. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been everywhere. Now there's all across the nation. A couple of images, in, like I don't want to spoil the book for anybody that's going to go out and buy it. Um, but there are a couple of images in here. I, I really just wanted to to talk to you about real quick, uh, mainly sure. just to kind of pick your brain. Uh, hopefully, people will be interested in hearing it. Uh, I am doing this very selfishly because <laughs> I just I just want to pick your brain uh, about it, but. There's one photo in here towards the end. Actually, I think it's the last photo because it says the end. Uh, oh. The scorpion heart where you've got yeah. two different scorpions kind of juxtapositioned 
with their tails kind of curled up and it, and it makes a heart. Like how, how did you get that photo? Ah, the tricks of the trade. Yeah. Well, well to, to put the keeper's minds at ease, because I know an image like that can stir a lot of, a lot of controversy. Um, obviously there are two different species. The, the image that you're talking about is a, it's, it's a, a, a brass bright, which is a bright yellow scorpion. And it's also a, uh, you know, the other scorpion is a, uh, Leerstjordanesis, uh, which is very black. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the contrasts were great. And it just so happened that I, I had imaged both of those animals in the same location. Um, those are two separate images and uh, I put them together because, yeah. Yeah. That's kind so, of what I was wondering. <laughs> it's like, it, yeah. it, it looks flawless. And I was like, he either <laughs> was taking a big risk and, and kind of, I somehow managed, I didn't want to like, if, if that was the case, I didn't want you to like give away your <laughs> wrangling secrets, but I was like, I wonder if it's no. Photoshopped, like, you know, no, if he kind of layered them. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm good. I'm not that good with wrangling. Um, and especially, you know, and, and you're right. And the reason why, you know, I openly speak about that image is because, you know, it's, it's very important for people to understand that, you know, those animals were not in jeopardy and, you know, they weren't put together for, you know, any length of time where they could possibly fight. In fact, they never saw each other yeah. on the same stage. Um, so, you know, that's why I have no, no issue, uh, explaining that image, but, you know, that, that was an image that I created for my, uh, for my lady. And, uh, uh-huh. know, I, so, yeah, so I, I call it the scorpion heart and that, that image is for Eva. And, uh, it just so happened that both of those subjects were taken on the same stage and it seemed too perfect. So when I was looking at it, I was like, wow, you know, I could just layer these and it'll, it'll turn out pretty well. And it, and it did, I, I think it, you know, worked out well. Extremely so. well. I mean, if, if I didn't know anything about photography or scorpions, you know, it, it, I would think those scorpions were kind of intertwined together, you know, like <laughs> you got claws going behind legs and it's, it's everything about the photo looking at it to me is like, that's a real like he caught that in like that instance in, in reality, you know, like it doesn't lend itself to well, looking well, Photoshop. Well, 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 in a, in, in a sense it was, it's just a, it's just a question of time. Yeah. So, you know, both, both of, both of those two subjects were on that stage in the same position, but just at different times. So, you know, I just took the times and put them together. Um, there's a lot to be said about macro macro photography or any photography for that matter. You know, there's, there's a certain element of optical illusion to it. So, you know, while most images, you can be certain that what you're seeing is true to your eye. There's, there's certain aspects of it that might not necessarily be true. And, you know, and especially in this case with this image where you've got, you know, two, two animals that were on the same stage at two, very different times, but just happen to, you know, coalesce, if you will. Um, it, don't ask me how I came about it because, you know, I was thumbing through thousands and thousands of images, you know, and it just, uh, it just struck me. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I got well, lucky with it. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing photo. I really, I really like that one. And yeah, it, it just, it blows my mind. <laughs> like I remember it standing out to me. <laughs> when I was looking at the PDF version and that was like the first thing I, I was looking for when I got the real book. 
I'm like, I got to see this thing in, in, in person. Uh, it was very cool. I mean, but there's, I, I don't, I'm not trying to like sell the book short. There's, I mean, it's packed full of amazing photos. That, that one was, it's just one of the ones that I thought was exceptionally cool, just as far as the composition went, you know, just because it had two different species of scorpion in such close proximity. I was just like, I got to figure that out. Uh, another one yeah, that, I mean, that really stood out to me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Cause I was going to say, you know, even their legs are intertwined. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, you know, they're kind of stepping into each other's areas. So it's kind of like a, a very unique image. Yeah. And and you, you captured another, and this is another scorpion, but the, the P Maximus, uh, a gravid female that you can actually see the embryos inside. Yeah. 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 Like, like that's an impressive, uh, impressive image. <laughs> How were you able to, I mean, did, did it just look that way to the eye or did you have to use some kind of like special lighting to kind of really bring that no, out? Believe it or not, um, if you if you get down and you bring your view to more of a, I guess, a lateral, more of a, if you get on the same level with, with the subject, you can see them a lot easier. Um, and it it becomes a little bit more evident through the the side membranes. Um, so it, it's all based on your angle, you know, that image would look the same to the human eye. You just have to, you know, change your level and, uh, change your angle of how you view it. Um, and then you'd be able to see them. I didn't do anything trick with that one. Um, yeah. but yeah, she was, uh, yeah, that was probably about two weeks out from her giving birth. Yeah. I, I've had some, uh, Florida bark scorpions that were gravid and I could kind of see the embryos. But anytime I tried to photograph it, I, I just wasn't able to really get it to where I, you, you could see it. So I was like, that's why I was very yeah. impressed. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, it's, you know, that one took a lot of time. Obviously, it took me a little bit of time to get her to settle down for that. And, you know, I I like to take a lot of my images um, with the scorpions at rest. Um, it makes me feel better about the shot that, you know, the, the, you know, subjects not all aggravated and in th- threat posture, because at that point, you know, you're, you know, you know, you know, you're that you're stressing them out. Yeah. So <clears throat> I kind of minimize, you know, the threat or the threat posture pictures that I take because, you know, I mean, nobody wants to be punched in the nose all the time, you know? So, um, yeah, I feel you, but sometimes those are also the most impressive, you know I mean? Cause they are, when they a tarantula are, yeah, gives you, you know. a threat pose, that's, <laughs> That's a yeah, unique experience. Yeah. You don't, you know, don't always get to see, even if you keep tarantulas. It, so being able to capture yeah, that is sometimes pretty cool, but doing it yeah, no. intentionally, I think is, is where the line for me yeah. at, at least is. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I never, I never try to intentionally do it. You know, I, I, you know, if they happen to rear up or, you know, pose up and I'll capitalize on it, you know, make no mistake. Um, and I'll take the shot, but, <clears throat> but, you know, I, I don't intentionally, you know, have the animals do that. It's, you know, I, I think that's more of a, more of a torment. Personally. Yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of like the lay and wait kind of guy, you know, I mean, I might go like a week or two weeks before I get a good image. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it takes time and it takes a lot of patience and, and that's one of the things that people have to remember with macro photography. You can't rush it because if you rush it, it's not going to turn out well. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be patient, you know, look at what they give you and just be, just be on top of it enough to, you know, when they do present that image, man, you, you know, you just click that shutter and hope for the best, hope that your technique and everything that you've set up, um, 
captures what you wanted to capture. I agree. So, That's why I enjoy talking to you so much because I, I feel like I can relate to you. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, you're talking, I'm just like nod my head. Like, yes, yes. Right on, man. Cause that's, well, you know, well, you know, I mean, we're, we're both macro guys and we both do the same thing. So it's like, you know, it's real easy for us to, you know, to understand it. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of things that you're doing that I can learn. And I'm sure there's lots of things that I'm doing that you could learn. You know, there's, I mean, it, it's, there's, there's so many different aspects of, of this field, you know, and I'm speaking only of macro photography. Um, but it's, there's so many different things you're always learning. You know, yeah. I, you're, you're, you're always a student, sometimes a teacher, but never a master. And I think that's, that's the way it should be with a lot of things in life. Cause when you, when you think you're the yeah. master, that's, that's when you become complacent and stop, you know, growing and evolving. You're like, I got this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and at that point, yeah, it just doesn't become fun anymore. It's, yeah. you know. And I get frustrated sometimes uh, because I do a lot more video than, than photography. And, you know, it, there's I, I, sometimes, sometimes getting that footage, like, because like I was saying, like, I don't know if it, if it matters in the grand scheme of things, but for me, I've got to have like kind of my own moral compass when I'm, I'm working with these animals because like, you know, I, I don't want to, like you were mentioning earlier, I don't want to stress them out needlessly. But I also really want to get some good footage of them. Um, one, yeah. just just for good content for the video, but also because I think that it's important to get that out in the world so that people can see a different side to a lot of these uh, animals that they're scared of. You know, you can see their beauty uh, and and you see them moving. And it, I don't know, it's just something, at least for me, I'm, maybe I'm just more of a visual kind of person, but I, I, I gleam a lot off that and, and kind of develop an understanding when I can I can see these things and and not be in a threatening scary way you know which is your, no, you, your photography you, and, does well yeah and and you and you're exactly right i mean and that's what that's what we as macro photographers try to convey to people is i mean you could be scared of these things and you know and there are lots of people that are i've i've had many people approach me and say you know i've always been scared of spiders but your imagery kind of has reduced that down to where I can tolerate them now, you know, or, or they understand that jumping spiders do occur in people's houses. Yeah. Um, and, and that they're beneficial, you know, that they take and eat mosquitoes and flies and all the little nasties that we don't like. Um, you know, people, people can learn the respect and not vilify arachnids for, for what, you know, and see them for the beauty that they are. Um, especially with the photographs. I mean, they can, it gives them a chance to, to view that animal from a safe distance where they don't have to worry about anything, but yet they can sit there and they can enjoy the details and see the animal for what it truly is. Yeah. And, and what, why I think this book is great for both people that keep arachnids and people that don't, because it's, you know, if you're, I think a lot of people are scared of spiders and scorpions and stuff. And all they see when they see one in real life are eight legs and a stinger and claws or fangs, you know, yeah. like, that's what their mind is focusing on. And they're not able, like they're so overcome with the fear or the anxiety, they're not able to see the beauty. But when you, yeah. you have a well, book I mean, like this with these high quality photos, yeah. you know, th that, that fear is, is removed, you know, or at least yeah. is short lived. And then you can see beyond that and be like, wow, these are fascinating creatures. Yeah. You know, and it, I mean, it, it, it removes the fear to where you're not seeing the, you're not seeing the animal as a blur because, okay. You know, if a, if a person happens to run into a spider, the first thing they do is, Oh, you know, and they kind of, either they, they take it on a, a fear factor or, the, or, well, if it's like me or you, we're probably grabbing our cameras, but you know, 
you know, so, some people, you know, they just immediately get scared and, you know, they, they don't really truly see what they think they see. You know what I mean? So this is a, this is a, a chance and opportunity for people to really see what a jumping spider looks like, um, under high mag and, you know, to see what all the different diverse colors of a scorpion, or, I mean, even, you know, take a look at the, um, that one rainbow wing spider um, yeah. that's in the book. That's one of my favorite images. Oh yeah. It's a beautiful um, one. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't realize that a spider, a true spider like that would be so diverse in colorations. I mean, that's, it's called a rainbow links for, for, <laughs> for very good reason. <laughs> yeah. it, it literally for, for anybody that's listening that hasn't seen one of these things, um, its legs all the way up is like yellow, red, green, blue. I mean, it's every color of the rainbow. It's a gorgeous. It's probably the most beautiful spider as far as colors are concerned. Um, in my honest opinion. Yeah. Um, but you know, but it's, it's things like that, that people can enjoy, you know, and if they were to see it in the wild, it would have just been a blur and they would have never seen those colors. They would have never enjoyed the the animal for what it actually is. Yeah. And that's both, I mean, it's like two parts. The one is the fear and they're, you know, so the, the spider is afraid and it's trying to get away and you're afraid you're trying to get away and, and, and fear kind of blinds the sight in some ways and it's all blurry. And, uh, but it's also the, like the fact that it, it's still, but it's also, uh, these are small spiders or, you know, some of these animals are, are pretty tiny, especially like the jumping yeah. spiders and stuff. So even if it was, you were calm you wouldn't be able to get your eye close enough to see the, and focus in to see uh, the detail and the colors and, yeah. and, and the patterns and stuff that, that macro photography can, you know, provide you, which I, I think is amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. what I was getting at to earlier uh, is that it, it's, it, I find it frustrating trying to, you know, not upset these animals or stress them out needlessly. Uh, and, and, People, I think, you know, they're flipping through Instagram, they see your photos and they spend like five seconds, maybe if that, you know, like, oh, that's cool. Hit the like button and they <laughs> scroll onto the next one and they don't realize, you know, cause, cause they do with my videos. They'll watch a five, 10 minute video and, yeah, and just be like, oh, I hit the like button. I'll leave a comment. That was really cool. And not know that it, it actually took me like three or four days of filming, you know, these spiders yeah. just to get enough footage for a 10 minute video, you know, or it, it yeah. took you. Yeah. And hours to get a photo that you could, you know, as far as like setting up and, and then actually photographing and then editing and all that just for somebody to, to enjoy for a few seconds and then scroll by, you know, it's like, it, sometimes it feels, uh, it, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say, um, that people don't appreciate <laughs> it, but sometimes <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, well, well, no, and, and you're, and you're right. You know, for the most part, people don't understand, you know I mean? It's like, uh, we, we mentioned stacking earlier. Um, and for those that are listening that don't know what stacking is. So when, when you're doing macro photography, what you'll have is you have what's called depth of field and your depth of field is very, very shallow. And what I mean by that is only certain portions of that image are going to be in focus. So in order to increase your depth of field and make everything in focus, normally what photographers will do with macro photography is they will stack the images. So you might have 10 to 15 to 50 and even into the hundreds of images for one image and each, each one gets stacked on top of itself. So all those fields of view that are in focus come together in one image. Um, 
Now that's problematic for the macro macro photographer doing a live insect or a live arachnid because if one leg, one hair, one pedipalp moves, the stack is ruined. Then uh, you have to start all over. And a lot of people don't realize that you don't notice this stuff until you're putting and aligning these images together and you're like maybe an hour and a half into developing this, this image and you realize that it's a no-go and you have to go back to the drawing board. So there's, there's a, there's a lot of different things that are involved here. Um, you know, when, when you're going for that, that premium focused outstanding image, you know, I, I like to call them a hero shot. Yeah. You know? So I, I call it a hero shot. You know, everybody wants that hero shot, but they don't understand how much time and efforts really going into it. I mean, in some cases, depending on the edits, it might be one or two days, you know, just mm-hmm. for one single image of something that's maybe no bigger than a, the head, head of a pin. So yeah, yeah it's, and trying to explain different. that to someone that doesn't take photos sometimes is difficult, you know, because they're used to their camera that is on their phone that does all that stuff automatically. And uh, they, yeah. they appreciate it when they see it, but they don't understand how it's done. You know, they're like, wow, that, that image has got a lot of detail. And it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's 50 photos stacked on top of each other. And yeah. You know, when and, you get, and, and the, and another reason why we stack images is okay. So you can, you can increase your F stop, which is going to give you a bigger, bigger depth of field. Okay. So your focus point is going to get bigger. Um, but when you do that, what you're losing is you're, you're losing your sharpness. So that image is going to start looking a little soft on the hairs, uh, maybe the edges of the photo. You're, you're going to start noticing that, you know, you've got a level of softness that doesn't necessarily look as, as good as what it could. So, you know, stacking images, you know, at a good, at a good aperture really kind of like, is the moderation between the two. So, yeah. and it depends on the lens you're using. Cause I know, uh, you know, each lens kind of has its own aperture sweet spot. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. F 10 or F 12 or, you know, wherever it is, depending on the lens and, and the, the camera situation, but you know, yeah. trying to yeah. find that and, and get the best quality you can. And that's, that's kind of you know, one of the differences between photography and videography is that you can, you know, hit that sweet spot, stack the images and, and get a really good sharp, you know, photo. But when you're doing video, yeah. you don't have the ability to stack, you know? So it's like, you just gotta, <laughs> you know, get the biggest depth of field you can, which usually means uh, the very least amount of lights hitting the sensor as possible. So then you gotta, you know, bring in a whole lot of extra light oh, yeah. to kind of balance it out. And if you're doing any kind of slow motion that, that even makes the image darker and you know, it's, it's, it, yeah. it takes yeah. a lot of effort and a lot of time and, and you know, I'm, I don't. I sound like I'm complaining. I don't mean to do that, but it's no, like, no, no, no. It's 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 tough. Everybody needs to know how tough it is. I mean, and and if you were if you were ever ever able to stack a video, dude, you let wow. me know when you can stack a video because that that would be the most impressive thing I think I've ever seen in my life. So. <laughs> you just got to talk to the tarantula and be like, "What you just did, I need you to do it exactly the same." <laughs> yeah, walk back and then you know, yeah, yeah. It's like you're on a runway. Yeah. But, <laughs> Like I was doing those uh, kind of fake nature documentaries and it had this whole set state, like stage kind of built and, and all the lights and stuff. And, and I posted a picture of the setup on Instagram, I think. And there were a couple of people in the comments making fun of me. Like, why do you have three or four cameras? Like, 
that's a, it's a little overkill. That's ridiculous. And it's like, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> like it, that's, that's like four people filming, you know, like the yeah. tarantula is only going to walk across this way one time. So I want to get it from as many possible angles as I can. And it's like, exactly. a, well, you know, conducting an orchestra, trying to make sure the, the you know, well, <laughs> white is balanced we'll and not overexposed and operating four cameras at once is, is not an easy feat. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have trouble operating one by myself. So, you know, I, for you operating for, I, you know, hands down, man, that's awesome. I mean, that's why your videos are so good is because you give so many different angles of the same, you know, that tarantula walking, which I mean, that that's, that's good cinematography right there. I mean, that's just good cinematography. So, you know, that's, I appreciate it. That's yeah, dude, you're, you're, you're doing awesome stuff. Your, your video is just top notch. I'd rather have like two or three people that work with me though. <laughs> much easier like you handle that camera i'll do this camera yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's uh it's it's a difficult um i don't want to say thankless but it sometimes it feels that way that kind of thing to to get into you know whether it's photography or videography because you're you're filming or you're taking photos of these creatures that most people don't want anything to do with and you're spending yeah. hours and hours and days creating this content to put out there, whether it's Instagram or YouTube or Facebook or whatever it's the. Yeah. And, and what it amounts to is one, like, yeah, one, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's like, okay, well, I mean, I, I get that, you know, I, I don't, I don't post things for likes, you know I mean? I, I, I'm past that. I kind of, you know, I, I post things because my followers like it and that's why I've stayed w- within a certain threshold of what I post and, and, you know, they, they seem to like the, the spiders and scorpions that I, you know, use as subjects. So, yeah. you know, I don't deviate, I don't deviate very, very far from that. You know, I have tried peds, but peds are, peds are crazy. Um, They're insane. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I can do it. I don't like to do it. Um, I don't think there's anybody that really likes the photograph of centipede, but to me, they're just, uh, I mean, for being what they are, they're, they're amazing, amazing predators, um, amazing animals. Um, but when it comes to photography, <laughs> they're so erratic. Yeah. Uh, unpredictable. It's so hard. Yeah. It's very unpredictable, very erratic. And it's very, very hard to get any kind of like good images of them. You know, there's uh yeah. there's one actually in the book where it's like the underside of a Dahani where you can actually see the, uh, you know, the modified legs, the forciples where, you know, the, the venom is actually, you know, injected from, and yes, there are modified legs are not fangs for those that are listening, but, uh, <laughs> it just, it, it just so happened that this thing, you know, I was trying to photograph it and it reared up because those things are freaking unpredictable and kind of like, they just do their own thing. And, uh, I, I ended up capturing that image. I didn't even know it was on my catalog until I pulled the card and was looking through it. And I was like, Oh, wow. So, you know, sometimes you end up with the luck of the raw. Yeah. Yeah. It's an impressive photo. Uh, I, I got a little bit of footage of, you know, I just have a, a centipede, one of the Sonoran desert centipedes. And yeah, you know, that thing's just, he's just so crazy. And uh, it, it, essentially like I used the footage in a couple of videos, just essentially when it would not refer to a centipede, it's like, Oh, there's my centipede footage. And a couple yeah. people have been like, that's really impressive. And it's like, I essentially, took the catch cup off already had the camera focused and just filmed it in slow motion running away. You know, it's like yeah. 20 seconds of footage because it's, you know, slowed down to like 20% in real life. Yeah. It was like, it moved from one side 
to the other in a matter of seconds. You know, it's just like this. Pew. Oh yeah. So well, I couldn't I mean, imagine they're, they're so, photographing them. Well, well, you know, when, when that one, when that, uh, that Dahani reared up on me, you know, I was trying to photograph it and, uh, it happened to go up and over the barrier. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm chasing this like nine, 10 inch Dahani centipede around my photography room, Oh, geez. which, you know, I mean, at that point I'm like, okay, um, this, this is a little bit much. I mean, now that's not to say that I haven't had stuff to get, you know, get away from me while I'm trying to photograph it before, but you know, it's, it's different when it's a nine or 10 inch Tahani centipede that's, you know, incredibly venomous and, you know, it's considered medically significant. And, and now I'm chasing this thing around the room and I'm hoping I'm like, Oh man, you know, I've got barriers on my room, so nothing can get underneath the doors. It's, it's very, very well sealed up, you know, well thought out. And, uh, that's a scary thing, you know I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, here I am, you know, chasing this thing around the room and I'm like, okay, well, I got to keep eyes on it because if I don't, it's gone. You know, I'm going to be finding this thing like three months from now and, you know, I might not be too happy when I do find it. So <laughs> it'll find but, yeah, you. I, exactly. That's what I'm getting at. So, you know, um, that, that kind of, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is a little bit much for me with the peds. You know, I don't mind shooting them, but I prefer not to. It's just, uh, it's too much of a liability. They're too erratic and, you know, it's, yeah, not the easiest. Now yeah. there, there is a photographer that, that does really, really great centipede shots. And his name, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've seen him is Jonas Schroep. He, he does some amazing centipede photography. I'm not and, sure. uh, doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, he's yeah. You know, I'll have to send you a link to his uh, Instagram, but yeah, he, he does these amazing, amazing images. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of what he does is like single captures, but they're just very, very well done. You know, it's obvious that he knows his camera and, and, uh, he knows the animals because he gets them in like perfect spots. So uh, not me, you know, I, I don't have that kind of talent, not me. You know, I, you know, I'm a, you know, I could be a scorpion whisperer, or, you know, or a jumping spider whisperer, but centipedes are, they're a little outside my wheelhouse. Well, you got some good photos of tarantulas too. You know, forget those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I, I had, you know, I had a few, um, you know, over the years I've had like, uh, you know, Caribbean versicolors and, you know, I've had like different, different species, you know, right now I've got a, uh, I've got a fire lake and I love my fire lake. That's, you know, yeah, she's awesome. Um, I don't photograph her much cause I, I like to leave her alone. She likes to yeah. take cares at me. So, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and <laughs> I get real allergic to your kidding hairs. So I kind of, yeah. I'm like, okay, hon, you know, I'll, I'll just leave her alone. <laughs> yep, <laughs> Here's I a cricket. Don't kick hairs at me. So. Yeah. Those hairs are, are brutal. And that's one of the uh, issues I have, uh, filming tarantulas a lot is just during the process with the lighting and the cameras moving around and stuff, you know, sometimes that's, yeah. that's enough to get them to kick the hairs and then they're, they're on the table. And I gotta be careful. I had an issue where I set my camera down, not thinking, and into like a bunch of hair. That uh, it was actually my my Brocky Palma baby, the Mexican uh, fire leg, had <laughs> had kicked off, and I didn't even yeah. think about it. And I picked the camera up, started uh, taking some more footage, filming some more footage, and my finger started itching. And I'm like, how did this? I'm like, oh Jesus! <laughs> There's oh, yeah. urticating hair well, all over my camera and lens had, now. You know, I I had her on the platform one time. Right. And I was photographing her and everything was fine. Right. She turns around out of nowhere. You know, you know how they do like that uh, happy dance when they get like a cricket. Yeah. Kind of turn their bodies around. Well, she 
she turned 180 degrees and just started kicking hairs. I ended up with, I ended up with those like hairs on my face, Oh, geez. you know? Yeah. And I mean, cause I was real close with the macro, you know, camera. So I, I got them on the left side of my face and down my neck. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to put her away. We're done with this. And, uh, yeah. you know, from now on, you're just going to be a friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to be a, you're not going to be a photography subject. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause you know, clearly she wasn't having it. And, uh, and I found out later that I wasn't having it either. So. Yeah. My tea, I got a tea stormy that's like that. Like she'll be out and about and I'll, you know, get my camera set up a tripod, have everything go, hit that record button, put a little light on her. And then she will just spin around and kick hairs at me immediately. It's like, come on, yeah. lady. Yeah. Now I got to well, leave the entire know, room for hours. Right now, you know, conversely, I've, you know, I don't know if you, uh, have you ever seen a Parabuthus transbalcus? No. Okay. So, so there's a certain uh, genus of scorpions or Parabuthus species. Um, they're notorious for flicking or spitting venom. And sometimes these things, when they get really, really aggravated, what they'll do is they'll, they'll spit or flick venom at you like in copious amounts. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've I've got a couple images where this thing, you know, just soaked my lens. And the only thing that saved my eyes was the fact that the camera was in front of my face. But I mean, it, you know, I, I was only maybe what a foot and a half away from the scorpion, you yeah. know, and this thing's flicking venom, and I literally had to wipe off the lens because uh, it covered my lens pretty good. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it, it was accurate enough to get my lens. Yeah. So. <laughs> Which, which, which that in itself was, you know, impressive to me. So, yeah. Anytime I, I, I see a scorpion like that, uh, usually that they come with a, a warning <laughs> from the dealer. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm ready to take that one on yet. I had somebody send me yeah. a death stalker once, uh, and I didn't ask for it. They just kind of threw it into it. They were like, Hey, I want to send you some stuff. And there was a death stalker in there. I was like, this isn't cool. Unfortunately, yeah, the one they no. sent me was already pretty close to death you know because i think they were keeping oh, a little wow. too humid so it didn't yeah. last very long but it was yeah, still i know, was pretty nervous yeah well that i mean that's a big problem with the hobby i think is uh you know misidentification and people throwing things in and you know that's that's something that needs to really really to be tightened up a little, little bit with the hobby is you know a lot of people misidentify lyris conquistoriatus and yeah. you know for other other species and and considering how medically significant that scorpion is, um, that's that's a dangerous thing, especially you know when you start talking kids and you know elderly people. But you know a normal adult would probably be fine unless they you know had had a you know serious adverse reaction. But um, no, those are I mean those are dangerous scorpions that can really really put a wall upon you. So. Yeah. I mean, it, some of the true spiders and, and some of the scorpions that are pretty hot, pretty medically significant. Like I feel comfortable enough that I, I could work with them. I could keep them, but I always have to keep them, you know, the back of my mind. Yeah. I, I'm also a parent, you know, so I, I got to take into consideration. I've got a 13 year old and you know, it's something I was told <laughs> very young was, you know, one teenage kid is smart Two teenage teenage kids are dumb. Now, three kids, <laughs> three teenage boys, they've got no brain at all, you know? So I always got to worry oh, yeah. that he's going to be at home and have a couple of his friends over one day or leads to another. And they, uh, they're they pulling out or accidentally knock over an enclosure with a very venomous animal in it that could cause us some pain or, you know, some medical issues. So 
I always try to keep yeah. that in mind. Like, you know, I, I love these animals, but even the, you know, you got a teenager, you can lock it up. They're still going to find a way to get in there if they want. You know, it's, I, I remember oh, yeah. when I was a teenager, my parents couldn't hide oh, anything yeah. from me. So I always try to keep that in mind when I'm deciding which animals to keep. Um, and now yeah, we've got a three-year-old. I mean, she's isn't allowed in the basement at all. So, I, you know, I don't worry about that. But there's always yeah. the possibility a cat knocks it over and, and the animal gets out and somehow escapes the basement and gets in the house. I mean, this is all like extreme worst case scenarios, but. Yeah. You know, but, I, but you have to think of it. You yeah. have to think of it, you know, because, you know, I mean, it would be irresponsible not to. I mean, you know, my, my arachnid room is locked. You know, I've got door dams on the, on the doors and basically when the room is shut, um, there's no getting it, getting in or out. And basically whatever's in the room is in the room. Um, and I, you know, I don't really show a lot of my setup uh, as far as like how I keep, you know, my enclosures, but, um, I do what most scorpion keepers do where they have like a hot box and that box itself has the enclosures in it. And that is also locked. So, yeah. uh, there's, you know, there's, there's a couple different things that I do that just enhances the security. Um, you know, obviously earthquake strap, that's a big deal, especially being in California. Oh, yeah. Um, those are things that, you know, I've, I've had to, you know, be able to manipulate <laughs> or, uh, or try to figure out ways to fend off, you know, if we did have an earthquake, which happens often out here, believe it or not. Um, yeah. but you know, a, a small little rattler can, you know, just a little shake and next thing you know, you got enclosures falling. So you gotta be, you gotta be secure. You gotta be smart about what you do. Um, but like I said, you know, my boxes are, they're locked and the enclosures are stacked on top of each other. So I know that all the enclosures down below are obvious, obviously shut if everything is sitting perfect. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just another way for me to, you know, ensure that my enclosures are going to be safe. Everything's closed up and I can go and lock my room up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've had instances where stuff has gotten away from me. Um, I've been lucky. Uh, you know, I always, always happen to find it. Um, but I mean, the stuff that I'm keeping, I mean, there's, there are certain species that I'm keeping that are ridiculously dangerous. Um, like the, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Hemiscorpus lepturus. Um, that's an extremely dangerous scorpion that is very, very easily misidentified. Um, and that's not something you want anybody to ever get stung by. So, yeah, I've got some androctinous species like the, the fat tail scorpions. Um, like they're not the most, but they, they're the ones that I'm worried about. They're probably the hottest that I, I, I think I might have one hot and Tata. I don't remember the, the species. Um, yeah, but it's a little, yeah. it's a little, still a little squirpling. This thing are taking forever to grow, well, but I keep all well, of those, the, you know, all of them, like yeah. I think you were saying, they're in an enclosure and then that's inside of like, essentially like a really large enclosure that's also locked, you know, main, like yeah. parts partially because I want it to be warmer, but also if for any reason they ever escape that enclosure, now they've got a second enclosure to try to escape out of. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, safety's paramount uh, and I think the responsible keepers, you know, that's, that's how we generally keep our rooms. Um, and when you add in a bunch of photography gear and, you know, electrical cords and stuff that it's very easy for these invertebrates to hide. And yeah, it, 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 it can be very, very, uh, interesting. 
<laughs> when you when you try to do a photo shoot with them. Yeah, that's so, one of the issues I run into a lot down here. Is like everything is in this one room, so I got all the enclosures. I you know I got the little set, the lights, the cameras, the mics, the you know books, the computer, the desk. You know, like all this yeah. stuff. So it's like, yeah, it, only the tarantulas and scorpions and snakes are in here. They can't really get out if they were to escape. But there are so many places for them to hide under tables and chairs and camera bags and uh, you know all this other kind of gear. Uh, that's why oh, yeah. one one of the things I'm working towards right now is trying to you know make enough money off the content that I can afford to rent a space and just move everything. Like I'd really like to just have a, a studio outside of my house that I could keep the yeah, animals that'd be great. and have like a room just for camera equipment and, and lights and everything to be stored. And then a section or an area that is just for filming or photographing and kind of keep them all separate in case something were to escape. It wouldn't, you know, like the studio would have nothing in it, but the lights and cameras and whatever right. know, the table is. So, it would be easy yeah. to find them and capture them because I, I've been lucky so far. I haven't had anybody get away and hide somewhere. I did have one. Uh, it was a Pteranoculus. It wasn't the Moranus. It was, uh, I can probably look at the enclosure real quick. Uh, which, what are you? Lapa Lapa? Uh, that's not, that doesn't sound right. Lapa Lala. <laughs> something yeah. like that. L-A-P-A-L-A-L-A. <laughs> it's, a, it's essentially an OBT, but they're they're more of a, a well, right now it's it's a juvenile, so it's it's more like a blackish gray color, and oh, so orange bitey thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it got it got off the table and took off across oh, the the carpet and went right up to the, like where the wall uh, meets the carpet, and it was pulled up like it had come off its tack just enough it could squeeze its body down in there, and I was like, it oh, is wow. in the walls or it's like in the you know foundation of the house or under the carpet like. I can't get to it. I don't know what to do. Uh, so I just, you know, locked up the room. I was like, I'll come back at night. Maybe I can catch it out. And uh, I went yeah. to check that spot and where the, I had pulled the carpet up a little bit to try and get it and realize like, that's just the, the, you know, the, the foundation. <laughs> it must've like gotten to a crack or something. Uh, I noticed that wow. around the carpet now had a, a funnel wet built. And I was like, Oh, it's oh, right there. There's nowhere for it to go. It's just essentially hiding under the carpet where I couldn't see it. Which was a little concerning because oh, wow. I put my fingers there and ripped it up, so I could I could have had my fingers, yeah, you know, millimeters from its mouth. Uh, but I was I was able to see the the webbing and get a little paintbrush and, and push on the other end, and it came running out right to the catch cup. And I was like, "Ooh, crisis averted!" Oh wow! <laughs> but oh, uh, you got you you got lucky. Yeah, you got lucky. But that was what really solidified that I need to get a space dedicated, you know, yeah, clutter free no, where I don't have to worry about this. You know, besides that, the honey that got away from me, I, I had a, I had a Centroides bicolor adult female that was gravid. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to photograph her because I wanted to show how thick she was getting. And, you know, I wanted to show like the different levels of, you know, where they go from like not gravid, gravid, showing embryos and so forth. Um, but she was, she was pretty well gravid. And, uh, and I was photoing her, and next thing I know, she takes off and she bolts, and I couldn't find her. And I found her two days later in a camera bag. Oh, she was actually in like uh, I have a teleconverter that I sometimes use with my uh, hundred millimeter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she was in the teleconverter bag, just kind of hanging out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I I got lucky with that one. So you know, because she. I found her and she actually gave birth like maybe a week or two later. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And that, yeah. yeah, it yeah would so have been a little stressful. 
That reminds me of yeah. a, uh, there's this YouTube creator. Uh, it's like a, I don't know if they're husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend. It's uh, alternative inverts. They're out in the UK. And they had, uh, I don't remember the species, but it was an old world fossorial, I believe, that escaped and they couldn't find it. And then like a week later, they're going to uh, one of the um, invert expos they have out there in, in the UK and they're driving there and it crawled out of her purse or something like that in the car oh, and he grabbed like a cup and capture it. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm glad you found it, but that's an unfortunate way to find it while you're driving on the interstate. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a probably the scariest way to find something. That's, that's yeah. crazy. Um, no, you know, I, I've been lucky and, you know, I really, really knock on wood, you know, it's every time I take something out, I'm, I always consider myself lucky to even get an image, but I'm twice as lucky if I can get them back in their enclosure and everything's good. So, yeah. you know, it's, I, and, and that's the biggest thing for me is, is like when I'm photographing something, I, I really want to make sure that, you know, the animal's good, I'm good and everything goes back and you know, I mean, I even go as far as like, I'll give them a little cricket after, after the fact. So a lot of what I photograph, it's, it's kind of funny, if, you know, the scorpions, believe it or not, can be conditioned to raise their claws, you know, and as soon as, like, as soon as I open the hot box, you know, their claws go up in the air because they're ready for their cricket. You know, they know yeah. as soon when that box opens up that they're get they're going to be fed. So, you know, usually right after the, after a photo shoot, I'll go ahead and feed them up and, you know, so a lot of my stuff kind of sits pretty now, but I think a lot of it has to be, you know, maybe a, a small form of conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. That's, so, that's pretty neat. Well, you know, I mean, that, that's, if that's even possible. I, you know, I'm just going by what I've seen, but you know, I feel you. every time I, I mean, open anecdotal, up, every, but every, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I'm there with you. I have, I mean, I, I don't, I can't think of a, a scorpion that does that. Uh, but I do have a, a uh, how do you say a titty mist or something like that? I'm real bad with scientific names, especially with scorpions. <laughs> uh, but I've got one of those that is, I mean, she's always hiding. Uh, but sometimes when I, I'll, I'll take the lid off and I'll spray, you know, cause the, this, the, what, the moss, I like mist it, kind of get the humidity up. Anytime I do that, yeah. she comes out. She's like, Oh, it's the guy that yeah. feeds me. You know? And it's like, I don't think she's yeah, having yeah, that yeah. conscious thought, but I think, I feel like it, there's a conditioned kind of reaction that she knows. Oh, it, it's getting sprayed. Yeah. That means a trick, a cricket's about to fall down. I need to get ready and snatch that. Exactly. Up. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's the most basic form of conditioning basically, but you know, I, I, I have noticed it with scorpions that, you know, as soon as I open the hot box, their claws go up in the air and they, they're waiting, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's almost like they're waiting for the, the cricket to fall out of the sky. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, and, interesting. It's, and I, I don't think she does that defensively because any other th- if I'm doing anything else in there, if I'm just filling up a water dish or moving stuff around or something, she's more, uh, she just runs and hides. It's only when I missed yeah. that she, she like kind of comes out, like she's looking for the prey. Well, well, it, well it sounds like the, the misting is the cue. So, yeah, you know, yeah. she probably senses, she's probably senses the rays and humidity. And at that point, you know, has already associated that with, uh, you know, the cricket being dropped in. Yeah, so. but you got to be careful <clears throat> saying that stuff. Some people get really upset, <laughs> like you're anamorphic, yeah, or whatever that anamorphizing. I can never say that word. Well, either. well, yeah, yeah, anamorphic. What, what do they call it? Antimorph, antimorphic qualities or something yeah. like that. Anto, antimorphic qualities. I don't know. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. We should just know. change the name of this podcast. Pronouncing 
fancy words poorly. Yeah, large words. <laughs> yeah, this this is uh, the the name of the podcast is going to be pronouncing large Latin words poorly. <laughs> so I love it when people leave a oh, comment yeah. on my videos like that's not how you say that word. I'm like, you know how to speak Latin? Like, yeah, this yeah, dead I'm language. Sure. You know how to pronounce it correctly? <clears throat> Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll probably get, get a couple of people, you know, hey, no, you didn't say that properly. Well, I'm a photographer, you know, I mean, it's got a Latin name. It knows its Latin name. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. I mean, you know, I, I could barely speak English, let alone I feel <laughs> so <you>. Latin. So. <laughs> and I've been doing this long enough that I know it, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it, you're never going to make anybody happy. Like, for, I mean, like uh, the Brocky Pilma Baby is one. Grandma stole a poker piece. It's like, is it poker piece? Is it poker ripes? Is it, uh, you know, it's like... It, so like I'll say it one way and I'll get a bunch of comments like you mispronounced it. It's pronounced this way and they'll spell it out phonetically. I'll make another video where I refer to that species and I'll make sure that yeah. I use that pronunciation. And inevitably there's a yeah. bunch of comments. No, that's not how you say it you know, correctly <laughs> in Latin. It's this way. It's like, okay, so you guys need to get together and figure this out and then get back to me because I don't, I don't speak. Yeah. I took Latin in high school and I feel like I remembered some things, but apparently not as much as I had, uh, as I think I did. Well, you know, I mean, when I was younger, I used to know all the d- dinosaurs' Latin names, you know, and I used to be able to come across with that. And my dad always just thought it was amazing. Yeah. But you know, now that I'm now that I've gotten older, it's like the scorpions. I see it and I can read it, right? But I can't say it. So it's like I know what it is, and I can see it, and I can say it, or I can read it and think it. But when I go to pronounce it, it doesn't. It never comes out right. And so I, I mean, you. you know, but I, mean, I think that's just, the important uh, aspect of it, though, is that. It, yeah. it, I mean, it's a label to identify a species. So as long as you can read it yeah. and know what it's referring to, <laughs> like that's what's important. The pronunciation is that's that's all kind of <laughs> conjecture, really. Yeah. It's like you know what I'm trying to say. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I mean, at that point, you know, it's it's like okay, well, you know, I mean, what if I had a speech impediment? What if I have a little lisp or something? I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe yeah. I do. I, I you know, uh, it, it's not going to come out perfect. So. You know. I just tell people like, hey, I'm I'm a hillbilly from West Virginia. We've got we've got an accent. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. It's the Appalachian pronunciation of Latin. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> the 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 new the new pronunciation of the Latin term. <laughs> but yeah, but the the book is venomous words and uh, your photography, uh, Jeff Oliver's poetry, and it, and it's it's available on Amazon. You said right. Yes, sir. Now, are there different versions of the book or is it, can you, like, what's available for sale? Okay. So, so basically the one that you got, um, I went ahead and I sent you the, uh, the collector edition hardcover. I appreciate that. Um, that one's, yeah, that, that one's got the, you know, the really, really nice hundred, hundred pound luster paper. Obviously it's a, you know, hardcover. The, the paper makes the, the images color a little bit more vibrant. There's also a standard hardcover that's available and a soft cover. Now, both the standard hardcover and the soft cover both have 80 pound paper and it's high quality photo paper. So make no mistake, I, you know, pulled out all the stops with it. But in all actuality, those are amazing too. Um, unless you're a photo nut, you're not really going to notice the difference in quality when it comes to 80 pound, 100 pound. A macro photographer like myself or yourself, you would be able to tell the difference between, say, 80 pound, 100 pound. Mm-hmm. That's because we, you know, we, we look for certain other details that average person doesn't look for. But yeah, the, the standard hardcover, softcover look great. The collector's edition's phenomenal. Those are, those are all available on Amazon. Now, when you go to Amazon, ironically enough, because there's two hardcover versions, um, there's, you'll see two different links. So, 
the standard hardcover and the softcover together. And then the collector's edition is a standalone just because Amazon couldn't differentiate between one hardcover or the other. So, yeah, I, I actually, I'm, I just pulled it up while you were talking. I uh, try to get an, an idea. So uh, I'm looking at Venomous Words hardcover. So it's got a hardcover and a paperback version. Um, yeah, was, that's the standard hardcover and softcover. I was just kind of scrolling down to see. Sometimes they like they'll link <laughs> other products like this, and I was like, well, maybe it'll have the collector's edition link there. But for whatever reason, they don't. They were not on their game. But it's got a yeah, lot of five star reviews, a lot of glowing testimonials. Like people seem very, very excited about this. Yeah, it, it's it's done well so far. It really has. So you know, it's um, we've been really, really good with uh, the reviews and. Thank everybody for the uh, the five star reviews, you know, and uh, I, I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm glad that people people enjoy it. Yeah, I'm I'm going to leave my own five star review <laughs> once we're done because uh, <laughs> well, this you, is sir. very impressive. And you know, we were talking earlier. I I would like to, and I don't know exactly how I'm going to do this because last time I I talked, last time I did a giveaway, it was a uh, it, I, I can't think of any other word that's appropriate other than clusterfuck because it was it was just insane like i announced it on youtube and then just it was like an army of scam bots that descended into the comments and started ripping people off oh wow like using wow. my uh uh you know my profile image and, and stuff like that and slightly changing the name and telling them hey you've been selected as the winner send me your information on whatsapp and you know what i mean like the trying to steal their facebook accounts or youtube accounts or bank information it's like i mean I would say 98% of the people were like, that's obviously not Richard. Like that's a WhatsApp number. And you, yeah. know, you look at it, you know, give it a second look and you're like, Oh, that that's not even his, his profile name. You know, it's just like the image, but <laughs> yeah, there were a few people that just got excited and saw the image and was like, Oh, that's, I won. <laughs> Here's all my information. It's like, no, don't, don't trust people on the internet. I, I did. I said, I would oh, not yeah. contact you in the comments. And, you yeah, know. no, no, no. So I, yeah, I got to figure out a way to to do it safely. Um, but I, I'm going to announce like on Instagram or uh, YouTube or something like that. Some way, I mean, I'll probably just have to like do the giveaway on my website. That way I have control over it and don't have to worry about scammers. But I'm, I'm going to give away, <laughs> I'm going to buy one of your books just to give it away to somebody. So if you're listening, you're, oh, you. you're, you're in on the secret beforehand. Uh, so keep an eye out for that <laughs> announcement. Because uh, I think that That'll be really a, a cool little prize to give away to somebody that they would appreciate. And, you know, or you could just go to Amazon and buy it yourself because they are, are listed. They are for sale. And I highly recommend it uh, for whatever that's worth. Like, I really enjoy my copy. That, that's why I want to give one away because you gave this one to me for free and you signed it and I appreciate it. But had you not, I would have bought one anyways. So I'll just take the <laughs> money I was going to spend to buy one and I'll give it to somebody else. Uh, so I oh, think well, good. Well, well, th well, thanks, Richard. I appreciate it, man. You know, I, I, I really appreciate you, you know, supporting, supporting us with this. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really great when, you know, you, you see people in the community just supporting each other. And, and, uh, I, I think that's, that's really how we can make this community even bigger and better. You know, the tarantula community is huge and, you know, we, we'd like definitely like to see the, the scorpion community get as big and, and, uh, you know, have, have as many people enjoy that as well. So, um, I agree. And, yeah. and then maybe one day we'll be as big as like the ball Python community with a leopard gecko community <laughs> know, or right? something. Right. Yeah. But I, I really uh, appreciate, appreciate what you guys are, are doing here. And I don't want to say like more than anybody else that creates content, but this in particular, it's, I, I appreciate the fact that it's not uh, like a scientific book, you know, that's, that's going straight to people that keep tarantulas or 
keep scorpions or you know what I mean? It's not like a, a reference book. It, this is this is art, you know, it's it's beautiful lyrics, yeah. beautiful poetry, well, beautiful photography. Well, you know, I mean, it, it transcends really, really, the hobby, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you know, and, and what we were really trying to do is like step out of the box a little bit with it. So, you know, and I'm I'm glad that you see it that way because for for us, I didn't want to I didn't want to get overly scientific because a new keeper is not going to be, you know, it's going to be overwhelmed with that. So, um what I wanted to do is I, I kind of wanted to transcend it like you said and kind of step out of the box and enter a new area that, you know, we're not part of. And the writing world just seemed to be the perfect place for it because, you know, they always say an image is worth a thousand words. Yeah. Well, now you got the image and now you got some words behind it and now you've got a little bit of feeling. Yeah. So there's a, a multitude of different ways of how you can take this book and how you can approach, how you can approach what you're actually seeing. So, I mean, you could take it from a keeper aspect and really enjoy the the species for what they are. Mm-hmm. You can take it from a non-keeper aspect and kind of dive into the whole art of macro photography and seeing some of these amazing creatures and and getting past your fear. You know, there's a multitude of different ways of how you can actually, you know, enjoy this book. Um, yeah. And, I mean, if you're into like the kind even, of dark poetry, it, it's perfect for you. If you're yeah. into the, the, the images, it's perfect for you. If you like both, you yeah. know, it's... Yeah. Try, try, try to be diverse with it, you know, and the, obviously the, you know, the premonition of the images, you know, what I was going for there was to, to keep the reader, you know, engaged and, and make them want to turn the page and see that next image. Yeah. So that, that was kind of a new thing. And I, I, I just came up with the, the whole idea and it just seemed to fit. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to ghost these images and see if that kind of like, engages the readers and yeah. you know so far so good it's it's you know it's it's done well and everybody seems to have liked it i mean there's some amazing collaborations in there and you know that's one of the things that you know i mean obviously if jeff was here with us today he'd be able to tell you guys about but i mean joe lansdale is in there i mean he's iconic he's an iconic yeah. horror writer i mean he's if you're in the writing world the horror world he's iconic and he's He's the collaborator um, that I put with the Scorpion Heart. So that's, you know, his poem went with that image. Very and, cool. uh, but I mean, there, I mean, there's some amazing people and, you know, in the, in that book that, you know, collaborated with, uh, with us, you know, also, and I know Jeff would probably want me to, you know, go over this, but on the sides of the flap, I, you know, have, have you ever seen that movie Bird Box? Bird Box. Yeah, I feel like I have. Yes, yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, where, yeah. So the author uh, to that movie, Bird Box, that, you know, was on Netflix, uh, he, he actually did a blurb for us. So he actually did a blurb that's right there on the, uh, the jacket of the book. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's really impressive. He, he, was, he was very impressed with the book. He loved it. And, uh, yeah, I'm very thankful for, for him doing a blurb. And, you know, we, we had, um, you know, the president of the Horror Writers Association do a blurb for us, too. And, yeah, no, we, we've been very, very grateful for, for all the help that we've gotten. Yeah, that's very cool. It's, it's, it's a really good book. Do you, I mean, I feel like we're probably around the same age. Do you remember the uh, musician Beck big in the, in the 90s? Oh, yeah. yeah. I heard yeah. someone uh, describe him once or kind of give like, I, I don't even know what the, what the right word is. But uh, they, the review of Beck was that he creates genres as he transcends them. And, and I kind of yeah. feel like that's what you guys have done here. You, you created a genre and then 
transcended it, like far, far surpassed <laughs> what, you know, it, it could have been. So, I mean, you guys really knocked this one out of the park. And now that I say oh, that, I don't nice. think that was actually a review. I think that was from a Futurama episode, <laughs> but it's, it's still <laughs> well, applies. Well, I mean, well, well, I mean, you know, I mean, Beck is a very, very interesting artist. I mean, you know, it's his, his music is just, you know, it's, it's different, you know, and, and I, I totally get it. And you know what, and you're right. And thank you for that. I, you know, I take it as a compliment because, you know, that's what I was trying to go with this thing is I, I wanted to, I wanted to break the norm of just being a keeper, coming up with a book, you know, that is, is just scorpions or tarantulas or centipedes, you know, I, I wanted to, to engage a different kind of audience and see if I can, you know, spin up the, the interest, if you will, outside mm-hmm. of the community. I mean, I mean, that's how we grow. So if you can spin up interest outside of the community, get some people that are interested in seeing some of these creatures and who knows, they might want to keep them. Maybe yeah. they'll get past their fears. You I know? feel you. Cause or, I try to do something yeah. similar, you know, like uh, people will, you know, they'll send me nasty messages or sometimes complimentary messages. Like, like you're, you're an informative source is where we go for education. And it's like, I am no, I, I don't see myself as uh, an educator. Like there are, there are people like Tom Moran and, and guys like there that put out strictly educational content. You know, somebody yeah. referred to it as edutainment, edutainment. I, I like that. <laughs> but the way I see myself is I'm, I'm essentially making sports car commercials for tarantulas, you know, like I'm trying to make yeah. them look cool and sexy and which, 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 which is amazing because you know what, that's what the hobby needs. Every hobby needs somebody that's going to take it to the next level. And you, my friend do that. So, you know, it's, it's, you got to step outside the box. You know, you try, you're trying to do something new and creative and get away from the stale world of just the monotony of, of, like I want to make content that is appealing to people in the community, but also is going to be appealing to people outside of the community and hopefully bring them in and learn more and maybe then start keeping and, and then see all these other people that are making content and taking photos and, you know, kind of introduce them to the world. So like, I want to make stuff that's people that you keep these animals will appreciate, but will also be appealing to those outside the hobby. And I think that your book has done that phenomenally, like probably better than I have been able to do. So, you know, I'm very excited. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You've got a hell of a following, you know, and, and, and you do some amazing work and I, I love your content. And I mean, we're, we're both essentially doing the same thing. We're just attacking it from different sides. So, you know, um, and and you're right. I think I think we we have the opportunity as a creator to to bring other people into the fold like we are, and I, that's very very important for you know keeping the community going. Mm-hmm. Number one, but I don't know how many times I've had people contact me though after seeing an image of a jumping spider, and they've been scared of spiders all their life, and now they're keeping jumping spiders. I mean, that's an amazing thing. Yeah. You know, when you can when you can break the barriers of fear like that, you know, with certain people and. And they can finally see these animals for what they are, and and they're not so vilified anymore. It, it becomes a different thing. And you know, I mean, like my lady, for for instance, she never she never was into spiders. She's not into scorpions. You know, preferably she stays away from all that stuff, and that's hey, rightly so. But she's she now has a fondness for like jumping spiders i mean she really does truly has a fondness for jumping spiders now um and it's it's changed the way she thinks about them and it's you know when you break away from that fear you can change your thinking a little bit and i think that means the world 
I agree. Yeah, I just released, I guess, a few weeks ago, I put out a video um, it was about what the difference is between a tarantula and a spider. And yeah. <laughs> I knew probably a lot of people that kept tarantulas knew that, but it, it was more geared to new keepers and people outside of the hobby. Because, you know, I, sometimes I, I get frustrated when people are referring to wolf spiders or something like that as a tarantula. Because, <laughs> you know, just where I live, we got a lot of wolf spiders and constantly people that oh, yeah. I barely know are sending me like pictures, <laughs> like either through text or Facebook or something like, what is this tarantula? I'm like, where did you find that? You're back. It's not a tarantula. So I was like, I'll make a video explaining the differences. And YouTube is a weird mystical beast. And for whatever reason, the the video performed well enough among my subscribers and people that normally watch the video that it decided, and it does this every year or so. It's like, I'm going to take this video and we're going to push it out to a whole bunch of people that have never seen your stuff and don't, you know, so I'm getting all these comments from people that are like, why is YouTube recommending this video? Why am I watching? I have never been interested in spiders or tarantulas <laughs> it came up and i clicked on it you know but it's uh, you know some people are like this is just terrifying i don't want to watch it and but i do want to take the time to leave a comment and tell you <laughs> that it's scary but there yeah overwhelmingly it's people that are like you know i was scared of spiders i saw this video now i'm kind of fascinated and interested and i'm going to watch more yeah. and it's like exactly like that that's that was that that's the that's been the goal the entire time so i'm, I'm glad that it's coming to fruition and I'm glad that you guys have put out this book because I think it's going to, you know, it's, you know, I'm reaching people on YouTube. You guys are going to be reaching people in the literary world, you know, people that are into poetry or people that are into macro photography and, and kind of tempt them to come into this realm as well. So, you know, bravo to you guys. You yeah. guys did an amazing job. And well, uh, well, thank you. You know, one, one of the, one of the things that just recently dropped was, uh, you know, we just recently had a, uh, um, a review done by Cemetery Dance. So, uh, I know people probably don't know what Cemetery Dance is, but um, it, that's a huge review horror review site. Uh, it's it's like number one in in the world, I think. Um, and it's uh you know it's done by Richard Schismar. Um and it's I mean you know for us to get that review that 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 was amazing. You know it was a good review and it came down from Cemetery Dance. I mean that's like the largest horror review site you can be at. And so I, I'm, I'm just amazed that we, you know, they took the time to actually review this book. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm over my head with this, you know, as far as where this is going. So yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to reach those different audiences and, and hopefully, hopefully it inspires people and, and, uh, drums up a little interest. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, Ooh, I got really echoey all of a sudden. <laughs> So the book is Venomous Words by Jeff Oliver and Macro Photography by Gordon Riley. This is volume one, which to me means that there's going to be multiple volumes coming out in the future. So I'm excited about that. And it's available on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to that. So uh, I'll put a link down below in the show notes. If you're listening to this podcast, Uh, if it's, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll have it down below in the description as well. And this, you know, it's uh, by the time this comes out, I will have figured out how to do the giveaway. So there'll be information on how you can win a copy of Venomous Words uh, down there as well. It'll probably be a link that'll take you to the website and you just got to put in your email address or something like that and we'll draw a winner from there. So if, if you want to win a copy, uh, you know, be sure to sign up and and get throw your hat in the ring. And, is that how you say it? Throw your name in the hat or throw your hat in the ring? Yeah, those are two different things. Yeah, I guess you could do it both ways, but you, know, you could throw your name in the hat or put your hat in the ring. But I'll tell you what, you know, since you're doing this giveaway, um, the winner, once they've, once they've won the book, 
uh, if they want to contact me and send me the book, I'll sign it for them. There you go. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's that too. Um, I think that would be uh, awesome. Yeah. Like I, I'll just have the book shipped to you and you sign it and I'll provide a, a shipping label or whatever. And so you can s- send it off to the winner. <laughs> that would be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll even, you know, I'll even see if I can get Jeff, Jeff involved in it. So. No, um, no, no, you can't, can't do that. I need to have the only copy that's dual signed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes a while. Well, well, it takes, it, it, it takes a bunch. It takes a lot of legwork to get you know, the, the dual signed ones. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you probably, probably end up with my signature, you know. Um, you fine, can just but, forge his and, uh, and that way, <laughs> if these are worth millions of dollars in the future, I can be like, well, that one's a fake. I know it. <laughs> I compare the, well, I've well, actually well, got I just love- real photograph or autograph. Well, Okay, so so here's here's what we did, and and we we didn't you know we haven't told anybody what we did. Okay, so there's one copy, there's one copy that's a dual signature and it's all black ink from both of us, right? And that went that went to my father, and that okay. was the first book that ever was produced. Um, so that's dual dual signed in black ink. All the other ones you'll notice is dual signed in blue ink. So you know we we kind of we wanted to make a little bit of a separation with like say you know the the books that we were you know, given out versus the ones, you know, yeah. I feel, yeah. So yeah. We, and I'm we just came, kidding. We, we, like, if you want Jeff to we, sign it, that's totally fine. I was just joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you, well, you know, the, the thing is, is, you know, that's really hard to do. And, you know, shipping it around can probably, uh, that, that, that can be kind of problematic if, uh, say something gets damaged. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, you know, but okay. whoever wins, whoever wins, they can contact me and, uh, you know, we can go from there and, 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 and do it. Sounds good. You know? Yeah. Now, now what would be very impressive. Okay. Is if, if somebody had all three signatures, but that wouldn't, that would entail the book going from say California to, to, to New York to Australia, because oh, wow. the gentleman, the gentleman that actually designed the well, So it was my image on the cover, right? But the gentleman that actually did a lot of the design for the cover and, and the flaps and a lot of the interior design of that book was done by Dan Verkes. And he's amazing. So, you know, his, his name is right there too, but him being in Australia, it's, it's like very, very hard to get a signature there. So yeah, <laughs> hey, you, you'll have to, if you want that signature, you'll have to contact him and, and work out shipping yourself. Yeah. A book back yeah, and forth to Australia. Which, no, that's exuberant too. Trust me. When I, I found that out, just getting, you know, cause he, he, he got a dual, you know, he got a dual signed book as well. Yeah. It was exuberant to get the book out to Australia for him. So yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I, Gordon, I really appreciate you coming on uh, and talking about the book and sharing some insight into your photography and everything. And that's, uh, that was very generous of you. So thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it, Richard. And thanks for having me on. You know, I, Really appreciate you know uh, you you have me on as a guest and uh, your your videography and photography is top notch so um, yeah I, I I really appreciate just the thought of having me on it's great so well, thank you yeah and and I kind of been, I've enjoyed doing this uh, without video it's going to be a lot easier to edit and and upload so <laughs> I might be doing more podcasts like this in the future so uh, yeah thank you for this and. Uh, yeah, like like again, I said again, you can get this book off Amazon. You can uh, find links for it down below in the description. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anything like that, you know, make sure you're following the podcast. Leave a five star review. If you buy a book, be sure to leave a five star review on Amazon as well. Help them get the word out there. 
because uh, that, that really helps a lot on Amazon when it comes to literature and stuff. The verified purchases, even five-star reviews really pushes it up. So, you know, help out a fellow uh, keeper in the hobby and, and macro photographer. Uh, I'm sure he would, I'm sure you would really appreciate that. I, I don't mean to speak for you, oh. like you're not still here. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, no. You know what? I, you know, I, I thank everybody that, I thank everybody that comes to my Instagram and, and follows me and supports me and, uh, you know, keeps me doing what I do. And this is, this is what I do. You know, I mean, I, I do it for, I do it for everybody. You know, I, I want people to see things and I really thank everybody for the support. And yeah, if you, if you do happen to purchase a book, you know, leave me, leave me an honest review. Let me know exactly what you think. You know, it means the world to me. And I know it, it definitely means the world to Jeff too. So, um, yeah, let us know what you think and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep pushing them out. Very cool. And I'll have your Instagram and, and Jeff's Instagram and Facebook uh, linked down in the description or show notes as well. So you guys can follow him on social media and, and stay up to date. And that way you will know when volume two is coming out because that's going to be very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much, Vin and Macro, uh, Gordon Riley. It is awesome having you on the podcast. Hopefully you'll come back and, and talk again because technically this is the second time you've done a podcast. The first one we recorded uh, just did not go well. And that was on me. <laughs> that was all technical issues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like spent uh, oh, right. hours trying to edit. I'm like, man, I just can't do this. I can't save this. The audio quality is just oh, uh, shot. Oh, so no worries, thank you for coming back no, I, again. I, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? And I, I enjoy talking macro with you so much that, I mean, if, if the, if the listeners like hearing, you know, macro and what it takes and us going over stuff like that, then, you know, I'd be more than happy to come back again and, and jump into it with you. Definitely. Cause I feel like we could talk for days just about <laughs> the different ways to do video, you know, photo and video and cameras and lights and all that. So yeah, if you guys oh, yeah. have enjoyed this, be sure to leave a comment or, you know, send us messages, let us know you'd like to hear more and, and we'll definitely record some more podcasts. Cause I definitely enjoy talking to you, Gordon. <laughs> cool. Same here. Same here. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We're going to have to wrap this up and uh, you know, uh, everything's in the, in the description. So, you know, follow, like comment, buy all that awesome stuff, help support, uh, Jeff and Gordon in this project that they're working on. And thank you all just for listening and, uh, you know, sticking around and coming back. It, it means a lot to me. And uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's enough of me talking. So thank you guys. You all have a great week and I will, uh, I'll see you next time on the next episode of the exotic pet collective. Goodbye. <laughs> see ya. It's just going to do it again. <laughs> I'll cut all this out. No, that was good, dude. Yeah, you know, I mean, if, 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 the, if the listeners are interested in macro and what it takes and really want us to, like, freaking dive into it together, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down, dude. I'll, I'll sit there and talk to your off. So Yeah, that sounds you know. cool.